Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The admission's free. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens with our team of dedicated journalists across the UK. We're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there with bulletins on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Big news, big debates, big opinion. Patrick Christie's tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories. Which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. Headliners. You don't have to bother reading the newspaper. We've got it covered for you. Every night at 11pm and repeated every morning at 5am. We won't send you to sleep like some of the other paper review shows out there. So join us 11pm every night on GB News. The People's Channel. Britain's news channel. I'm Michelle Jubery, and I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'd much rather hear what you have to say. So, send in your opinions to gbviews at gbnews.com. Keep them clean, and you never know, I might read them out. With my panel here on Jubes & Co, we debate, we get stuck into the issues of the day on a show where all views are welcome, especially yours. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Tired of the usual focus-tested, pre-prepared Westminster runaround? Well, so am I. So you want higher taxes? Is your department to blame for this? Are you rethinking this policy? Every Sunday at 9.30, I'll be sitting down with those in power to get the truth about the issues affecting you. Let's be honest, we've known about the cost pressures of this project for years, not months. That's the Camilla Tomini Show, a politics show with personality. On GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I think the most exciting bit for me is talking to people. People who I think are ignored often by the major news channels, we're going to give news they want to hear. There's a voice there that needs to be heard. I think there's a chance here for a diversity of opinion to be expressed, which you don't find elsewhere. It's really exciting. We don't hold back. We're free to say how decisions that are taken here affect us all around the country. Only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel.
Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. It's 12 o'clock on Wednesday, the 3rd of January. Out of the traps, Reform UK becomes the first party to launch its general election campaign, claiming Labour and the Conservatives are two sides of the same socialist coin. Firing the starting gun, leader Richard Tice reveals all to our political editor. Luke versus Luke. Will Luke the Nuke Littler, the 16-year-old dance superstar, beat cool hand Luke Humphreys, the world number one? We'll be live at Ali Pali as excited crowds begin to gather. Could Littler score big? <laughs> no regrets. Junior doctors insist they are doing the right thing as record-breaking mass walkouts threaten to cripple hospitals during their busiest week of the year. But have these trade unionists abandoned their patients and their colleagues at their time of need? And that's a big and impactful question. Yes, there's, there's darts going on today, there's general election seems closer than ever. But today, people going to the hospital, perhaps needing to go to A&E, perhaps expecting to receive an operation, they're going to be impacted by the longest strike in NHS history. Yes, there will be hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, who may well have been waiting by the phone for weeks already to find out when their appointment is, when their surgery will be. And then to be told today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, that actually it's been cancelled because there's not enough staff. And the other thing, the, the other doctors, the nurses who've accepted the pay settlement, the, uh, what was it, over 8% yeah. pay rise. The doctors, of course, the, the most junior of junior doctors have been offered over 10% pay rises. That was good enough for the nurses, seemingly not good enough for the doctors. But it's those other medical professionals in hospitals that will be left in the lurch. Oh, absolutely. Well, let us know if you've been impacted by these strikes or do you have a relative, perhaps, who has been, who's been waiting yonks for an operation to be told that it's yet again delayed? Let us know. GBviews at gbnews.com. But before all of that, let's get the headlines with Tatiana. Tom, thank you and good afternoon. This is the latest from the GB Newsroom. The NHS could be stretched to breaking point today as junior doctors in England walk off the job in the health service's longest ever strike. An unprecedented six days of industrial action has begun after talks between the government and the BMA union broke down. Junior doctors want a 35% pay rise, which would restore their real earnings to levels seen in 2008. The government says that's unaffordable, but insisted late yesterday that the door remained open for further negotiation. Dr Robert Lawrenson is the BMA's Junior Doctors' Committee co-chair. He says the strikes will continue until pay is improved. 
We're very happy to talk about restoring our pay over a matter of years. We, we're very happy to do that over a period of t a time frame, and we don't necessarily need it all in one go. We're happy to sit down and have a collaborative conversation with the government, but they've pushed us out of the negotiation room. They don't want to talk with us. And the fact of the matter is, the nurses rejected their pay deal, the nurses are still in dispute with the government, and the government, and to be honest, the whole country, have abandoned our nursing colleagues as well. Meanwhile, commuters are being warned of severe travel disruption next week due to strike action on the London Underground. Members of the RMT union are staging another walkout over pay, with no services expected on the whole network from Sunday until Friday. Talks between the union and Transport for London are continuing. Lebanon's heavily armed Hezbollah group says the death of a top Hamas official in Beirut will not go without a response. Salah al arouri died in what Israel called a surgical strike against the Hamas leadership, insisting it didn't represent an attack on Lebanon despite taking place in Beirut. Hezbollah, which is allied with the Hamas terror group and backed by Iran, has been firing at Israel on its southern border since the attacks in October. The death of the deputy leader has ignited fears the fighting could spread into a wider regional conflict. Hundreds of flood warnings remain in place after Storm Henk battered parts of the UK last night. Parts of Birmingham, Leicester and Northampton, particularly at risk of floods while transport delays are expected as the clean-up continues. One man died after a tree fell on his car while he was driving in Gloucestershire. Police say the 50-year-old died near Kemble. Now, a list of more than 150 people with links to the convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein is to be made public soon. Follows a ruling made by a judge in New York that will see previously redacted names revealed for the first time. It's understood many of the names have already appeared in court documents and appearing on the list does not necessarily indicate any wrongdoing. A long-time associate of powerful politicians and business people, Epstein preyed on girls as young as 14. He died in jail in 2019 before he could be tried on sex trafficking charges. More young people are making the switch to non-alcoholic beverages. A study carried out by YouGov found 44% of those aged 18 to 24 consider themselves to be either occasional or regular drinkers of alcoholic alternatives. That's up from 31% in 2022. It also found younger generations are now the most sober age group overall, with 39% preferring not to drink at all. That's after a survey in November found one in ten British drinkers feel they have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And Luke Littler will make history tonight when he becomes the youngest player to compete in the final of the World Dart Championship. At just 16 years old, he beat Rob Cross 6-2 in the semi-finals last night. He showed nerves of steel as he closed out the match in style, continuing his dream run into tonight's big tournament when he takes on the new world number one, Luke Humphreys. And the history-making finalist had some words of wisdom for anyone who dreams of following him. Unbelievable. Like I've only I only set my goals to win win one game and come back after Christmas and I'm still there. Well, I don't have any GCSEs. Everyone's probably got more than me. The fact that they've passed me sport. <laughs> but yeah, um, look young dark young dark players. Hopefully they do look up to me and if you if you do practice then you could be where I am. This is GB News across the UK on TV in your car on digital radio. 
and on your smart speaker by saying Play GB News. Now back to Tom and Emily. Good afternoon, Britain. Major developments in the world of politics today as all parties are set to gear up for that heavily expected 2024 election. Yes, so Richard Tice has been hosting a Reform UK press conference in London today where he slammed both Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer, as expected. He accused the government of betraying the British people on immigration and he also announced Ben Habib as the party's candidate for the Wellingborough by-election. Meanwhile, Sir Ed Davey, the leader of the Liberal Democrats, has been laying out their plans, as his party currently sits at around 11% in the polls. He also refused to rule out a possible coalition with Keir Starmer's Labour Party. Mm, curious. Now our political editor, Christopher Hope, and political correspondent, Olivia Rutley, join us now with the latest. Olivia, you've been watching both the Liberal Democrats and the Reform UK gear into action. Well, absolutely. I'm in Guildford today, where the Lib Dems are very much bringing the fight to the Conservatives. Ed Davey was sounding very, very chipper this morning. He has his sights set on not just Guildford, where the Tories have a majority of 3,300, but lots of other seats in Surrey, including Woking and Jeremy Hunt's constituency of East Surrey. Now, Hunt's constituency has a majority of just over 8,000. He said that in normal times, that probably wouldn't be a target seat. But but this time round, it most certainly is. And they're even looking at Michael Gove's seat up the road, which has a majority of about 18,000. They are sounding very enthusiastic, very excited, and they're not ruling out a coalition with Labour. Here's what Ed Davey had to say when I asked him about it. Focused on a general election, I uh, announced today that we think the general election should be on May the 2nd, uh, and it couldn't come soon enough. We'll be tabling a... Uh, bill in Parliament next week which would give MPs the chance to call the general election rather than Rishi Sunak running away and hiding away. Let's have that general election now. People need that change. People are fed up of waiting and I'm really, uh, really pleased and, and proud that the Liberal Democrats are ready for that election whenever it comes. So yes to a coalition with Labour? No, I'm focused on the general election. There are many, many Conservative MPs that Liberal Democrats can defeat across the whole of the south of England, parts of London, parts of Manchester, parts of Yorkshire, in Scotland, in Wales. Liberal Democrats are really on the march. We've shown with our historic by-election victories and our amazing local election results across the country that we are now an amazing campaigning force in British politics. And I think uh, when the election comes, we will be the surprise of the election. So, not ruling out a coalition with Labour, but whatever happens coalition-wise, what's certain is that there is a tacit agreement between the Liberal Democrats and Labour, a sort of agreement for non-aggression. So, in seats like this here in Guildford, where the, where the Lib Dems are advancing far, far quicker than Labour, there won't be too much of a Labour threat. Now, in the last election, Lib Dems didn't do too well. Since then, they've achieved four pretty magnificent by-election victories. Lib Dems of course are on very good ground fighting by-elections. They're very, very good at sending their resources to the right place and people are willing to vote uh, against the government in by-elections purely for a sort of protest vote. Things will look very different in a general election but 
from what Ed Davey has been saying this morning, the Lib Dems are feeling very, very confident, and that is in those blue wall seats, those seats around the south of England, where traditionally the Tories do very well indeed. It's not just about the red wall anymore. It's not just about those seats where uh, Labour usually wins, but the people lent their votes to the Conservatives in order to get Brexit done. The Tories probably have accepted quite a long time ago that many of those are going to go. Now they're having to fight for their own heartlands in the south of England. Really interesting stuff. Thank you, Olivia. Coming there from us from a bustling Guildford <laughs> High Street. Looks like one of the, looks like we talk a lot about the death of the high street. Probably not in that constituency. It's a nice, it's it's a nice high street. Charming. Yeah. Um, shall we cross now to Christopher Hope, um, who is who has a couple of guests for us uh, with regard to Reform UK's announcement today. That's right, Tom and Emily. I'm here in central London, a stone's throw from Westminster, where Richard Tice, the leader of reform, has turned his fire on the Labour Party. He's called uh, the prospect of a Labour government Starmageddon. He said the party, Labour Party, want more taxes, then we'll get closer to the sclerotic recessionary European Union, more spending, more nanny-state regulations, and to betray the working class. And it's in that final line about the working class that's the clue for what's happening here. Reform is having a go at the possibility of a Labour Party. We do know they're drawing support away from the Tory party at 10% in the polls and rising, but they're going after Labour now. And that's what makes this launch more interesting than you might expect from the Reform Party. With me now is Richard Tice and Ben Habib. Now, Ben Habib is a candidate for the party in the Wellington by-election, but Richard Tice, to you first. Isn't a vote for reform a wasted vote because you don't know where voters live? It's completely the opposite. It's the only way, actually, to save Britain. That is the truth. The crisis facing the country is so serious. The main two parties are two forms of socialism. High taxes, wasteful government spending, daft EU regulations, the government has betrayed people, mass immigration, a huge betrayal by the Tories that Labour want more of. And we are now the only party of the working class of tens of millions of people who feel completely abandoned and let down. And we're the only party that will get rid of the job-destroying, deeply damaging net-zero policies. And that's why I think people will vote for change. The press conference today was packed. Uh, most of the lobby reporters that were there hearing what you have to say. But weren't they really waiting for Nigel Farage? Weren't you worried about the questioning about Nigel Farage? He, of course, founded he was a big player in UKIP, then the Brexit Party. The more people talk about Nigel and Reform UK, the better. It does our job for us of raising brand awareness because we're a relatively new brand. But as more people hear about us, they say, who's this lot? And they like what they hear. They look at our policies and say, oh, thank God, someone's talking common sense. I'll vote for those guys. So that's great. And I'm very clear, the more help Nigel can give, the better. But he's got some important decisions to make. And a good poker player always keeps their cards close to the chest until the perfect moment. But that perfect moment is coming soon. How soon or when will Nigel Farage declare his intentions and what will he do with your party? Do you want him to stand as, to be an MP? I think that's the least likely thing, is that Nigel would stand under a first-past-the-post system in a constituency. He's consistently said that he wouldn't. And, look, we want proportional representation. That's the right and fair and proper way. So, look, but... Um, who knows? We're getting ready for a May election, so we haven't got that much time. But as I say, Nigel's got to work out what help he can give, when he can give it, and it's a big job saving Britain. That's literally what we're doing, because Starmageddon will be a catastrophic cocktail for this country. We've got to avoid it. We've got to wake people up. There is a genuine alternative to socialism, and that's Reform UK. 
Okay, now Ben Habib, you're the party's deputy leader. You're standing for the party in the in the in the likely, shortly to be announced Wellingborough by-election. You were UKIP, the comparable election of 2015, was second. Can you win it? Well, I think there's every chance of winning it. It was a very different environment to 2015. I think there was still some hope that the governing class of this country would deliver the country to prosperity. But we've seen, you know, Richard's described Starmageddon. We've actually had Sunakageddon, haven't we? He's taken the country. We've already experienced it. He's taken the country to the economic brink. He's taken it to the cultural brink. He's taken it to the political and constitutional brink. He's floated off Northern Ireland without so much as a, uh, you know, off you go uh, with our blessing. No, this man is awful. Starmer is equally bad. If you want to change the way this country is governed, you have to vote for it. But how? And we will. We will get the... So, to answer your question, what we need to do, what I need to do, is to, is to get the Tory voters out. There are 32,000 Tory voters voted for Peter Bowen in the last election, 13,000 for Labour. I suspect Labour will get slightly less. All I need to do, my single challenge, is to convince those Tories and those Labour voters who are small C Conservative, of which there are many, to come out, engage with us, recognise what our policies are, and if they're sick of these two, which they should be, and I'm sure they are, vote for us. Do you worry, though, you don't know where voters live? I've covered enough by-elections with UKIP back in uh, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. The problem was the party would wander around seats and not all know where the supporters are. And, and the other legacy parties know where the voters live. Well, again, again, the landscape's very different. You know, we can reach people through social media in a way that we couldn't reach them in 2015. We are going to penetrate people's psyche. We're going to get our message out there, and then it's up to them to decide how they vote. But I aim to win this seat. I aim to be a thorn in Sunak's side until that general election is called. How big a deal will Brexit be? Brexit was the reason why UKIP did so well in 2015. Will you drive home what some see as the Brexit betrayal? Uh, absolutely. Brexit is huge. Brexit is not some kind of esoteric political obsession. Brexit would have delivered for the people of Wellingborough prosperity. It would have got rid of net zero. It would have increased, uh, it would have given the government the ability to re reduce regulations, which they've shirked. It would have given the government the ability to cut taxes. All of this would help the people of Wellingborough, and we will show them how Brexit would have delivered for them. Brexit's a huge issue. And back to you, Richard Tice, very briefly. If an election was held today, how many MPs would you win? Uh, as many as possible. The more people that vote for us, then the more we get. And people are very, very concerned about the way the country is being run. And as Ben quite rightly said, listen, if you want to vote for change, so if you want change, you've got to vote for it. OK, there we have it. Richard Tice and Ben Habib, full of the joys of January. Lots of the words Geddon, Starmageddon, Sunak Geddon. Back to you in the studio, Tom and Emily. Well, let's hope it's not good afternoon, Britain again. I don't know how many Geddons we can do. Is that a suffix that we can attach to any word these days? But well, Christopher Hope, thank you so I think much. Starmageddon definitely works better than Sunanakageddon. Too many syllables. Too many yeah, syllables, no. but there you go. Very interesting. You've got the Lib Dems trying to get at those blue, blue wall seats mm. and then the Reform Party going after working class votes. Well, let's get another perspective now. Joining us is the Under Secretary for Business and Trade, uh, Kevin Hollenrake. Uh, Kevin. Uh, first of all, uh, we've been talking a lot about semantics and Sunak again, but let's put that charge to you. Are the Tories just as bad as the Labour Party, as Reform UK has been saying? 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, if you followed what reform was saying, you'll end up with no seats for reform, and you'll, if you vote for them, and you will end up with Starmageddon. That's the reality. You'll get, you'll, you'll get um, Keir Starmer in number 10, because that will undermine our vote clearly and um so if you want to bring that about if that's what you want to do then that's the choice you want to make but this nonsense to say we're not turning the economy around that you brought uh, i think it was is an economic disaster to this area i think ben habibi was saying i mean catch your mind back a year ago uh, tom uh, you had 11 percent inflation 11.1 percent inflation you had uh forecasts of deep recession for the uk you know, all those things have been turned around. You're rising interest rates. All those things have been turned around. You've seen inflation now below 4%. That's what Rishi committed to do. Is uh, The economy's growing again. That's what Rishi committed to do. We've reduced the numbers of small boat crossings, the number of people this uh-huh. whole year by 36%. And that's against the backdrop of rising numbers across Europe. What we're doing is working. What we need to do is continue to deliver on this. And of course, keep making our case to the British people we're the right solution. But Kevin, isn't it unfortunately the case for your party that an increasing number of people are looking to reform? Working class voters, Brexit backing, don't approve of mass immigration, feel let down by the Conservative government. That's why they're looking to vote for a party like Reform, a party that they feel uh, addresses their concerns more. I, I do understand that. We've been through a difficult time economically because of because of COVID, of course, and the cost of living crisis, which has not been a domestic issue. It's been an international issue. But I understand people in those situations feel they want change, but they are getting change. We're seeing real t- uh, wages now growing in real terms. I say with inflation coming under control. I think what people need to see is what they if they do fall for the reform message, they will simply deliver Secure Starmer into number 10 Downing Street. That will be an economic disaster. That will be a disaster in terms of political correctness. You will see all the things that those voters hate implemented across this country, all those transgender issues, all those things that people talk to me about. So people have got to be careful what they wish Mm. for. If they want to see a centre-right party run this country, they need to vote for one, one that's going to return MPs in the next election, which is a Conservative Party. Now, Kevin, you're right that the country has so far avoided recession. The OBR last year said that 2023 would see a 1.4% contraction in the economy. In fact, we saw 0.6% growth. But I put it to you that 0.6% growth is not much to write home about. Yes, we've avoided recession, but we have not grown particularly quickly. And the, perhaps the party leader who's talking most about growth these days 
is Sir Keir Starmer. Well, talk's cheap, Tom, isn't it? Anybody can say that. But the reality is, since 2010, we've grown faster than France and Germany, as you know, and since Brexit, we've done that. Of course, we want to see faster growth. That's why the Chancellor's brought about tax cuts for people across the economy, but also for businesses, to encourage them to invest. We know business investment is, is lacking in the UK compared to other areas. We've made those reforms. We are seeing, as you have acknowledged, faster growth than people had envisaged this year against the backdrop of people were predicting a recession. We think we can build on that. Of course, we want to see growth of 2 and 3% where we need to be. Productivity increases. Of course, we need to see that. I'm doing lots of work in the business department with the Secretary, Secretary of State to try and bring that about. Some very exciting things going on at advanced manufacturing in terms of free trade agreements around the world, in terms of simplifying regulation, which we are doing Billions of pounds of regulation coming off businesses. Um, so many things we are doing to, to make it easier for businesses to drive the economy forward. That's what we need to do. Put businesses first and they'll drive the economy forward. And Kevin, just lastly, I was reading this morning how you are calling for the former chief of the post office, uh, Paula Venels, to hand back her CBE. You're also backing prosecutions. This is all relating to the horrendous Horizon IT scandal that afflicted so many postal workers. Tell us a bit about how what's happening here now. Well, you're right to bring this up. Obviously, many people will have been absolutely appalled, but also captivated by the programmes on the on ITV, the Bates versus Post Office programme. There are three things we're trying to do. Get money out the door as quickly as possible to postmasters who have been affected by the scandal. We've already paid out £148 million and settled a majority of cases. We are trying to make sure those uh, those claims are settled fairly and put people back into the place they were. But also we've, we've instituted this inquiry, this statutory inquiry. So when Williams is undertaking that, it hasn't finished its, uh, reached its conclusions yet. When it does, we want to see people identified, responsible for what happened, the appalling circumstances, the appalling actions of the post office, but also those people held to account and, if possible, through prosecutions. But... As I said this morning, I do think that if I was Paula Venels, who got a CBE for her services to the post office in 2020, I'd be reflecting on that very carefully and thinking, was that the right thing to accept at that point in time? Given that what's happened subsequently, um, I think it would be sensible for her to voluntarily return that CBE and, and, um, and that would be the right thing to do right now. Mm. I think many, many people would agree with you there. Uh, Kevin Hollenrake, thank you very much for joining us here on Good Afternoon Britain. Yes, thank you very much. But coming up, have junior doctors abandoned their patients and colleagues at their time of need? We'll be discussing that after this short break. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens with our team of dedicated journalists across the UK. We're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there with bulletins on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel.
tired of the usual focus-tested, pre-prepared Westminster runaround? Well, so am I. So you want higher taxes? Is your department to blame for this? Are you rethinking this policy? Every Sunday at 9.30, I'll be sitting down with those in power to get the truth about the issues affecting you. Let's be honest, we've known about the cost pressures of this project for years, not months. That's the Camilla Tomini Show, a politics show with personality. On GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I think the most exciting bit for me is talking to people. People who I think are ignored often by the major news channels. We're going to give news they want to hear. There's a voice there that needs to be heard. I think there's a chance here for a diversity of opinion to be expressed, which you don't find elsewhere. It's really exciting. We don't hold back. We're free to say how decisions that are taken here affect us all around the country. Only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I'm Andrew Doyle. Join me at 7 o'clock every Sunday night for Free Speech Nation, the show where I tackle the week's biggest stories in politics and current affairs with the help of my two comedian panellists and a variety of special guests. Free Speech Nation, Sunday nights from 7 on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories, which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. So join us 11pm every night on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Every Sunday from 11, join Michael Portillo. There will be topical discussion, looking at the week before and the week to come. So kick back and relax at 11am on Sundays on GB News with me, Michael Portillo. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Welcome back, it's 12.27. Now, junior doctors in England are currently engaged in the longest NHS strike in history, spanning six days and causes, causing substantial disruption to services. Yes, discussions on salaries between the government and the British Medical Association have reached a point of stalemate. Health Secretary Victoria Atkins has appealed for the strikes to be called off, but warns the BMA needs to be realistic. Well, our London reporter Lisa Hartle is at St Thomas's Hospital for us. Lisa, can you bring us the latest from the picket line? Are BMA, are the doctors out there? Hello. Well, the, the, the picket line was here. They've uh, finished now. Uh, there was about 70 doctors, junior doctors, in attendance at that picket line earlier on. Uh, but obviously, this is the busiest time of the year for the NHS, with um, lots of people uh, contracting respiratory illnesses like uh, flu and COVID. So one of the big concerns is the fact that junior doctors make up almost half of all the doctors within the NHS. And this is just going to be more pressure added on at a time when the NHS is even more stretched than it normally is. So uh, if we look at what the doctors, the junior doctors are asking for, they're asking for a 35% pay rise. That means they're on about roughly between 15 to 17 pounds an hour at the moment. They want that to uh, be increased to around 20 to 21 pounds an hour. Now, earlier on, we were speaking to some of the junior doctors on the picket line, as well as members of the public. And this is a little um, look at what they had to say. I'm striking because I am tired of the low energy of everyone being upset with how much we're getting paid and how little it is and how it's being eroded. And the fact that, I mean, I, I was, when I was in 2008, I was very young, but 
the fact that they're making the same amount that, that we did, I don't understand that. And the fact that I am a doctor, I'm obviously Canadian, that's why my voice sounds like this, but I trained here in the UK and I would like to stay here. I saw it on the news, £14 an hour, that's terrible. It's just, it's appalling, it's £14, $28 an hour. Kentucky Fried Chicken is a casual, on a weekend you make heaps more than that. I think on a weekend we make up to $40 an hour, $50 an hour on public holidays, which is £25 here. Lots of my friends are in Australia, um, they're settling down there and don't want to come back. And to me it seems the wrong way to do things, to spend a lot of money training us in this country, in the NHS, to then have people moving away. It's interesting that we spoke to some people from Australia there and some of the junior doctors mentioning Australia because this all ties in to why the junior doctors say they want to see that pay rise because they say they need to retain junior doctors that, uh, within the NHS. So many are leaving to go to places like Australia where the working conditions are better, they're paid better. Uh, and the other reason they say that they want to see this um, the, the pay rise is to attract more people to the profession because there's so many vacancies within the NHS and as long as there are vacancies, then the doctors, the junior doctors who are working, they're stretched because they're doing uh, two peoples or beyond that uh, job, so there's more pressure for them, which then would encourage them to leave. So it's like a cycle that they say they need to stop, and this is one of the ways that that can uh, be helped, is by bringing in this, uh, this pay rise. However, uh, as you said there, the government have said that they won't be uh, going into negotiations whilst there are more strike days uh, going on. We've got another five now after today, and, uh, and then there's no end in sight at the moment between either of the parties. Really interesting to hear from those on the picket line, Lisa. Thank you very much for your time. Lisa Hartle, our reporter at St Thomas's Hospital in London. Do you know what's fascinating Go to on. me? Go on. What's your take the on what The number of BMA trade union activists who then say, we're going to move to Australia, mm. a country without an NHS... I know. ..a country with a significant private healthcare system where if you're in the top income bracket in Australia and you don't take out private healthcare, you have a tax penalty placed on you. You're encouraged to take out private healthcare. So there's so much more money swimming around the healthcare system. But it shows it's not about the NHS as a as a model, is it? Mm. It's about um, you know they want more pay, which is which is fair enough. And maybe there are, maybe there are things we should learn from Australia. Maybe in this country we should say you really should be if you can afford it, mm. take out private healthcare. That's what Australia says. Yes, but Maybe it's a bit unfair because then you're paying oodles of tax for other people to use the NHS but not for yourself, which I think is unfair too. Let us know what you made of uh, what those uh, activists, those junior doctors had to say outside the hospital there. Very interesting that one of them was Canadian, one Australian, yes. um, and then a, a British one I, I, I thought was there mm. too. Interesting to hear. I think the strongest point they have is that people are abandoning the NHS and mm. going off to other countries. But is that an argument for wider reform of the NHS? Mm. I would argue so. Let us know what you think. GBVs at gbnews.com. Well, coming up, hundreds of flood warnings remain in place in the wake of Storm Henk. We're live in some of the affected areas after your latest headlines with Tatiana. Good afternoon, this is the latest from the GB Newsroom. Junior doctors in England are on strike, putting unprecedented strain on the NHS during one of its busiest periods. 
Six days of industrial action has begun this morning after talks between the government and the BMA union broke down. Junior doctors want a 35% pay rise, which would restore their real earnings to levels seen in 2008. The government says that's unaffordable, but insists the door remains open for further negotiation. Dr Robert Lawrenson is the BMA's junior doctors' committee co-chair. He says the strikes will continue until pay is improved. We're very happy to talk about restoring our pay over a matter of years. We, we're very happy to do that over a period of t a time frame, and we don't necessarily need it all in one go. We're happy to sit down and have a collaborative conversation with the government, but they've pushed us out of the negotiation room. They don't want to talk with us. And the fact of the matter is the nurses rejected their pay deal, the nurses are still in dispute with the government, and the government, and to be honest, the whole country, have have abandoned our nursing colleagues as well. Meanwhile, commuters are being warned of severe travel disruption next week due to strike action on the London Underground. Members of the RMT union are staging another walkout over pay, with no services expected on the whole network from Sunday until Friday. Talks between the union and Transport for London are continuing. Hundreds of flood warnings remain in place after Storm Henk battered parts of the UK last night. Parts of Birmingham, Leicester and Northampton are particularly at risk of floods, while transport delays are expected as the clean-up continues. One man died after a tree fell on his car while he was driving in Gloucestershire. Police say the 50-year-old died near Kemble. And Luke Littler will make history tonight when he becomes the youngest player to compete in the final of the World Darts Championship. At just 16, he beat Rob Cross 6-2 in the semi-finals last night. He showed nerves of steel as he closed out the match in style, continuing his dream run into tonight's big tournament when he takes on the new world number one, Luke Humphreys. You can get more on all of those stories by visiting our website, gbnews.com. Well, a motorist has died after a tree fell on the car he was driving in Gloucestershire on Tuesday. That was as strong winds and heavy rain battered the UK during Storm Henk. Yes, and more than 300 flood warnings remain in place across the country and commuters face major transport delays in the wake of the storm, which battered parts of the UK overnight. Yes, train services have struggled to get back on track and the National Highways said several major roads in England have been closed due to floods and trees blocking them. Well, let's go live to one of our reporters now. Jack Carson is in Upton-on-Severn and Will Hollis is in Northamptonshire. Uh, Will, let's start with you. Uh, how has this part of the country been affected? Yes, well, it's usually the water that attracts people here to Billing Aquadrome near Northampton but for the last couple of days that's the thing that's been pushing away people that holiday here and the residents that live here as well. You can see behind me a load of cars from the car park as well as narrow boats, a lot of moorings here but in the trees behind that's where there are around a thousand caravans where people were celebrating the start of the new year and that's where they first heard sirens telling people yesterday to evacuate and to get out of their properties. Now we've been seeing today uh, 
uh, more rescues that have been going on. The police have been here as well as local Northampton Fire and Rescue Service. And from some of the things that we've been seeing, people that were trapped essentially, that live on their narrow boats but couldn't get away from their narrow boats, the usual walkways completely blocked off by flood water, people with pets, some people that were um, disabled as well, people in wheelchairs having to be taken away on dinghies by the local fire service. Now, there was a severe flood warning in place for this part of the Midlands here in Northamptonshire. That has recently been downgraded to a regular flood warning. Now, a flood warning means that, that you have to act, that if you've got some sort of a flood plan in place, then you should start acting on that flood plan. That means by getting away from the area where you are at risk and, and taking yourself to safety. So it has been downgraded. Storm Hank has now moved on, but there are lots of people here that have been affected by Storm Hank, and that is the same story across the Midlands and parts of the south of England. Now, I've been speaking to one of the people who was evacuated, a lady called Debbie, and she was telling me about her experience. See, the water levels were getting higher and higher, and um, I went to work, and I, it was touch and go if I should go work, but I thought, work for Northampton Healthcare Trust. So we went, and um, my family was um, contacting me, saying the levels were getting higher and higher. So I thought, in the end, I've got to come back to get the car off and get the two dogs out. So quickly packed um, a case and went off, and um, then we heard the fire, well, not the fire alarm, the sirens going. Um, and then the rest, what I know is they had to evacuate once the flood breached. It's just knowing what, what everything's wrecked inside, really, and um, yeah, that's it. All mud and all the freezers and, well, items of furniture, I suppose. Well, for Debbie and the other people that have been evacuated from Billing Aquadrome, they're told that they cannot yet return to site. They've been turned about away by security and the people that work here in a business that has been in administration. They're saying that communication hasn't been what they would expect, but uh, Billing Aquadrome, the organisation that runs this holiday park, say that they're going to be updating uh, the local residents as soon as they have something that they can tell them. Thank you very much, Will. Will is in Northamptonshire. Let's pass over to Jack Carson, who's in Upton on Severn. How has the storm wreaked havoc in this area? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, well, certainly here in this lovely little leafy village with uh, with the boats moored along the river seven it has burst its banks once again speaking to locals here today that is not anything out of the ordinary and they say over the past few months 
They've really been battered by the constant storms here, meaning the uh, increasing uh, river levels here on the River Severn, um, which this village sits alongside, means it's continuing to burst its banks. The road behind me, Hanley Road here and up to the Pond Seven, is one of the main roads through the village here. And it's, of course, closed down the petrol station a little bit further down the road. Um, of course, not only for safety, but because they are they are they are they are they are flooded. Their forecourt is is flooded. The River Severn, which is flowing um, to the side of me, is flowing very very quickly. And um, the Met Office warning that, of course, we could still see uh, a peak. We haven't really, maybe possibly, seen the peak until later today. Particularly if the rain, as it has done in the last kind of 10, 15 minutes or so, starts to come down. It had been very much of a of a dry morning, which was good news for these residents that they might thought that they had already seen the peak. But as the rain comes down and Lots of water still to come from further up on the Severn, still to come down and flow through the, these areas, but it's already, of course, bursting its banks. Um, that could see a problem for residents a little bit later on. Now, according to some of the people that I have spoken to since I've been here, they say the river at the moment is about 10 feet higher than it has been um, on previous uh, on previous occasions. So certainly um, there is some worry about whether this road behind me can, of course, get cleared and can get pumped. There are flood defences here, which they say uh, the residents here, certainly they are thankful for. But other residents complaining about the management of the river and how one uh, man said to me that uh, he hasn't seen the river dredged in a while and that buildup of silt on the bottom of the uh, on the bottom of the river he thinks um, of course is not happy that the, that they just feel that this area has been properly managed because of how frequently it has flooded in the past now across more of the West Midlands, the West Midlands Ambulance Service, urging people not to drive into flood water. They had to rescue five people from four separate incidents yesterday. So that warning going out from them, if people are, of course, reaching those flood waters um, as they're driving on the road networks. Thank you very much, Jack Carson from Upton on 7. Great to talk to you. I mean, yes, this sounds very minor considering this storm has wreaked so much havoc and now we've got flooding and, of course, mm. sad death due to the winds. But the winds yesterday were extraordinary, even here in, in London. When I left the studio yesterday afternoon, I thought I was going to be blown away. Mm. And it's incredible what Jack was saying about sort of the aftershocks yeah. of it all. Even though the storm is now past, all of the water that fell in a wide, disparate area now rushing together and the, and the peak of the sort of flooding might be still yet to come. That's I can see uh, why residents are, you know, frustrated because it always seems that we're, we're taken by surprise by floods and the defences just aren't mm. up to scratch. But anyway, lots of you have been getting in touch about the historic junior doctors strike which has started today, sadly. Martin says, the NHS cash cow rolls on. This week my private appointment with a cardiologist was cancelled because he's covering for striking junior doctors. That won't be cheap and a nice big bonus for him at the start of the year. And Danny adds that the NHS is beyond repair. I'm now 60 years of age and have tried getting a GP appointment for months with no luck. Months! That's really bad if that if that's the case. John says, make it that any doctor cannot leave in the NHS for the first 10 years. Would that put off people from training? That's an, that's an issue. As for pay, put doctors in two new pay bands where one new doctor in their first two years of working. I also think it's quite misleading to bracket so many doctors as junior doctors. It's about mm. half of the workforce. Mm. They're not all sort of year so one, year two. It's almost anyone who isn't a consultant, yeah. isn't it? It's a huge, huge part of the, of the workforce. But also, they, it, we all sort of think they should have a pay rise. Of course they should have a pay rise. They've been offered a, a, an almost 10% pay mm. rise. 
but, but they want 35 Not enough, Tom. Anthony, yeah. this one's quite good, and I, I tend to agree with this. <laughs> Anthony says, that, that they have finished for the day at 12.30 and they're supposed to be on strike. If they're on strike, they should pick it for 24 hours, no excuse. What a load of useless strikers. Yes, it yeah. does seem that we often, at this time on the show, we go to the picket line and they've already <laughs> they've left. They've all gone. They've they, already gone they home. They turned up for 10 minutes in the morning, took their photo for Twitter and then on their bike. So I what mean, are it's... they doing for the rest of the day? <laughs> Nothing, <laughs> I guess. Watching Netflix. Watching Netflix. Watching GB News. Watching, <laughs> watching GB News, yes, to see if they were, you know, featured. in our Vox Pop yeah, there, featured. very good. Um, well... Keep yeah, them coming keep, in. Keep those views coming in. We do enjoy them, particularly... I think we, all, we, we both very much agreed with Anthony. Where on earth did the picket line go? But um, in other news, the zero-emission vehicle mandate comes into force today, with the government requiring 22% of all new car sales to comprise of zero-emission vehicles. I think that should say comprise zero-emission vehicles. <laughs> and if you think that sounds tough, the threshold will rise annually with a target of 100% of new car sales being electric by 2035. Now... This is key. Mm. Failure to abide by the rules will result in a requirement to pay the government £15,000 per polluting car sold above the limits. So manufacturers, if they sell uh, less... No, if they sell too many polluting cars, they will have to pay the government money. Hmm. Mm. OK, well... Let's, let's try and work all of this out. Joining us now is James Court, the CEO of the Electric Vehicle Association England. Uh, and thank you for making the time for us this afternoon. I suppose uh, there is wide sort of understanding of the 2035 ban on uh, petrol and, and diesel vehicles. Perhaps what there's less general understanding on is the taper to get there. What's the reasoning behind that, in your view? So, I mean, we're starting from a base of around 16, 17% last year of cars, and we need to get to 22% this year. Uh, the, the theory is you can't really leave it all until the last uh, year. So we need to get to 100% by 2035, and I think it's 80% by 2030. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's a level sort of uh, graph going upwards, rather than trying to rely on a huge amount of heavy lifting uh, at the end, which obviously gives huge amounts of confidence for car manufacturers, for chargers, for consumers. Uh, this sort of small increments up, I think, is a much more sensible way of doing it and puts the UK in a position where we can uh, hopefully steal the lead on the manufacturing jobs that come with this. James, why can't this be left to the market, though? As you say, 16 to 17% of new car sales are electric already. That sounds like we're making decent progress, not too far off 22%. So why can't this be left to the market and personal choice? James, did you hear me there? No, I, d I think we've lost James. Let's see if we can re-establish some audio connection. We'll get our technical wizards to do that. <laughs> but I think it is an interesting mm. point because uh, there is astonishing growth in electric vehicles, not least, and he's not the most popular figure in the world, but Elon Musk sort of made them quite cool. Teslas are quite cool cars. Well, they're very expensive. And, and I think in the way that perhaps 15 years ago people looked at electric vehicles and thought they're really dorky, I don't think people think 
that really anymore. I, I, like some of the most uh, uh, attractive cars on the market are electric vehicles. Well, uh, some would disagree with you on that one. There's something about driving a uh, you know traditional petrol or diesel car that you know have you people seen enjoy. A, a Tesla Model, I think it's Model S. They are quite with sleek. The, they with, are with quite the gull wing doors right. that open up like we, Back to the Future. We've got another guest <laughs> that's appeared. We've got motoring journalist and used car dealer Danny Kelly. Danny. Thank you very much. Now, you're a little bit more sceptical about this transition to electric vehicles. Do you think it's right that the government is putting in these sort of arbitrary regulations and targets? I don't. And not only do I not think it's right, I think it suppresses a freedom of choice for the consumer. And your last contributor is correct. The total electric sales account for about 16%. They need to get to 22%. Some manufacturers are better at producing and selling electric cars than they uh, others. For example, Skoda, Europe-wide Europe Skoda, their electric car sales account for around about 7%. Mazda, they're massive on plug-in hybrids, but of course that's no good. It needs to be completely electric, and they only have one model in the range, BMW. They do about 16% electric sales. So it's going to put massive pressure on manufacturers. And it's going to get to a stage, Emily and Tom, where consumers are going to be denied. This is my belief. I can't speak on behalf of the manufacturers. But consumers are going to walk into a Skoda dealership. And they're going to say, I want to buy a petrol Skoda, please. But the salesman is going to say to them, well, unfortunately, we're not going to sell you one because we haven't hit our 22% target. Danny, by your logic as well, many car manufacturers who aren't so efficient at making electric vehicles uh, could simply go out of business or move to countries and manufacture cars in countries where there aren't these rules. Look, I'm Emily, I'm in business myself, and if I know that it's going to cost me £15,000 as a punishment because I haven't hit my target and I want to sell someone a diesel Skoda. I'm simply not going to produce right-hand drive mm. petrol or diesel Skodas because I'm going to go out of business. Mm. Uh, it, it's it's all academic potentially as well, Tom and Emily, because if Rishi Sunak, sorry, if uh, Keir Starmer doesn't deal with the next general election, he's going to roll back on the 2035. Anyway, he's going to take it back to 2030. Mm. So this is all academic. I don't know how the manufacturers are going to feel about it, but it's, it's bad for the consumer. It's counterintuitive to, to what we stand for in this country, and that's being fair and reasonable when we want to purchase something that we want to purchase. Danny, is it the case that everyone in the world is doing this? Of course, the European Union's bans are all 2035. Our ban was originally 2030. It caused quite a lot of consternation mm. when Rishi Sunak delayed it for five years, taking us more in line with the EU, making that taper less steep. Uh, isn't this just the way that the world's going? Without a doubt, it's the way that the world is going. But whether the consumer wants to follow it is completely different, Tom. It's my view that unless you live in a detached house with a drive and an electric charging point, then you can have a 60, 70 grand Tesla or indeed a 25 grand uh, Renault Zoe because that's how cheap they are. But if you live on a tight terrace street somewhere in the northwest or the northeast where you can't guarantee a parking space outside your house, how the hell are you supposed to charge you with cables overnight? It's a tripping hazard. This is disaster waiting to happen. The, uh, the motorway service stations, they're, they're actually experiencing something called charge rage where yeah. owners of electric vehicles are having to wait hours and hours and hours. And unless the infrastructure is there, it's all very well talking a good game. But from a consumer's point of view, I take you back to a consumer's point of view. The choice needs to be there. 
And if you're forced into buying an electric car, you need to know that you're going to be able to charge it. And, and at the moment, that just yeah. isn't in, in place. Thank you very much, Danny Kelly, strong staff, motoring journalist, used car dealer. Thank, Thank you. you for your time. I have to say, I saw a story about this last week, which was... Uh, about the rage, some, someone, rage. Uh, someone had objected to a charger being installed outside his house a few years ago. Wrote to the council saying this is awful, this is anti-health and safety. They got the thing stopped being built. Anyway, fast forward to this year, he's bought an electric car. No way. He wants a charging point outside his house, but the council won't build it because of his previous objection, saying health and safety was the reason this can't be built. Well, I just think the government uh... messing around with all these regulations, <laughs> changing them every day, it seems, is probably having an impact on that economic growth that doesn't seem to be Quite happening. Possibly. Uh, well, a completely different story now. 16-year-old darts sensation Luke Littler produced another stunning display last night to reach the World Darts Championship final, beating Rob Cross by 6-2. to two. Yes, I don't know about you, but I've never been so excited about darts. <laughs> He's the youngest ever player to reach the final of the Premier Darts tournament and faces Luke Humphreys, Luke v Luke, in tonight's clash at Alexander Palace. Right, shall we speak to our reporter, Ray? Who is there? Ray, tell us. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, commentators say that if Luke Littler lifts the Sid Waddell trophy this evening, it will be the greatest story in the history of darts. And, of course, for every sportsman or woman, routine is absolutely key. And Luke, uh, the nuke, has been very clear about his routine. He wakes up every day at midday, whether he wants to or not. Uh, he then goes out and eats a ham and cheese omelette. And then he heads here to the uh, Alexandra Palace in London. If we just pan around, Ollie, we can see the, the steps, those are the 26 steps that Mr Littler will have to walk up uh, as he arrives here today. He's then going to go through this door behind me and he is going to immediately, no, not start practising, he's going to have a pizza and then he will start practising. That's the routine that he's been doing every day for the last two weeks and he sees no reason to change it. Of course, you mentioned that uh, amazing semi-final victory over Rob Cross uh, last night. Rather stunning fashion, it has to be said. Uh, during that match, he showed absolute composure, uh, maturity beyond his years as well, getting 16 treble 20s, produced uh, three 130-plus checkouts and averaged with three darts uh, well over 106. Now, it's important to remember he only qualified uh, for this tournament by winning the World Youth Championship in November, so it's been uh, a rather amazing winter for him, and now he's just one win away from completing his world championship dream. 
World Youth Championships and in a matter of months winning potentially the World Championships. Incredible. We'll be back with so much more in the next hour. Looks like things are heating up. Boxed boilers. Sponsors of weather on GB News. Hello again, it's Aidan McGiven here from the Met Office with the GB News forecast. Blustery showers will continue for most of us during the rest of the day. Some brighter spells and it will turn drier in the south towards the end of the day. But for the time being, we've got low pressure in charge, even if the main storm, Henk, has moved off the scene. Around this low, we've got various occluded fronts, bringing some longer spells of rain, but in general, it's blustery showers as we head into the evening. Some clear spells emerging, particularly towards the southwest. And by midnight, certainly some drier weather pushing into southern parts. More persistent rain lingering across the northeast of Scotland. Shetland staying cold with some snow. Snow and uh, frost here. A little bit of touch of frost further south under those clear skies. So a chilly start here, but that's where the brightest weather will be first thing Thursday. Now that doesn't last long because it will turn cloudier from mid-morning and outbreaks of increasingly heavy and persistent rain will spread into southern coastal counties through the day. That could cause some issues given the saturated ground at the moment. But further north we've got the sunshine remaining across North Wales, North Midlands, East Anglia. Showers for Scotland and Northern Ireland, Northern England as well. And Friday again is a showery day. The worst of the showers will be across eastern and western coasts in between some sunny spells and as we go into the weekend, high pressure builds. That means drier, but it also means colder with temperatures falling away. That warm feeling inside from Boxed Boilers. Sponsors of weather on GB News. Twenty twenty four, a battleground year. The year the nation decides. As the parties gear up their campaigns for the next general election. Who will be left standing when the British people make one of the biggest decisions of their lives? Who will rise and who will fall? Let's find out together. For every moment, the highs, the lows, the twists and turns. We'll be with you for every step of this journey. In twenty twenty four, GB News is Britain's election channel. GB News, unlike other broadcasters, isn't obsessed with the London-Westminster bubble. We think there's a nation beyond the M25, and that's why we talk about the issues that matter across the land. Join me on State of the Nation, 8 to 9 o'clock, Monday to Thursday, on GB News. Daisy's listening, and you should too. Wake up to the headlines with Headliners every morning at 5am. We treat you to the day's biggest stories before anyone else, seven days a week. You can catch up on everything you need to know before you've even had your kippers. Mmm. Headliners every morning at 5am, only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I'm Andrew Doyle. Join me at 7 o'clock every Sunday night for Free Speech Nation, the show where I tackle the week's biggest stories in politics and current affairs with the help of my two comedian panellists and a variety of special guests. Free Speech Nation, Sunday nights from 7 on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Now then, Lee Anderson here. Join me on GB News on my show, The Real World, every Friday at 7pm. I'm not eating bloody cat. Are you Delicious. Open your mouth. OK, here comes, a, here comes a train. Reminds me of the scene in Singing in the Rain. Adam, is that a good one? Whoa! Whoa! Join me at 7 on GB News, Britain's news channel. 
What you get for breakfast is something that if we do our jobs right, you will wake up to news that you didn't know the night before. It's a conversation. It's not just me and Eamon. We want to get to know you and we want you to get to know us. From six, it's Breakfast with Eamon and Isabel. Monday to Thursdays on GB News. Britain's news channel. Have a great Saturday night with me, Leo Carson, this Saturday night showdown. It's a crazy world out there, so come and make fun of it with me, my panel of comedians, and a couple of people who actually know what they're talking about. This Saturday night showdown is your front row ticket to the clown show. Every Saturday, only on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. Every Sunday from 11, join Michael Portillo. There will be topical discussion, looking at the week before and the week to come. So kick back and relax at 11am on Sundays on GB News with me, Michael Portillo. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. When the news happens, it happens here. And really important breaking news. Breaking news this morning. On TV, radio and online, the news starts here on Britain's Newsroom. All the biggest stories and the answers that you need from across the UK and beyond. Join Britain's Newsroom from 9.30 on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. It is one o'clock on Wednesday the 3rd of January. Out of the traps. Reform UK becomes the first party to launch its general election campaign, claiming Labour and the Conservatives are two sides of the same socialist coin. We'll be live with our political editor with all the latest. No regrets. Junior doctors insist they're doing the right thing as record-breaking mass walkouts threaten to cripple hospitals during their busiest week of the year. But have these trade unionists abandoned their patients and their colleagues at their time of need? Luke versus Luke. Will Luke the Nuke Littler, the 16-year-old Darth superstar, beat cool hand Luke Humphreys, the world number one? We'll be live at Alexandra Palace as excited crowds begin to gather. Could Littler score big? I've never been excited, more excited about. I've never watched a darts game in my life, but this never. might be never, never, not no one. This might be the first. It's the first definitely time unique do it. for a, a sporting event. I know there's debate about whether it is a sport or not, whether it's a game, but it is. It is technically a sport, mm. and this is the World Championships we're all awaiting. And this is very exciting indeed. And the fact it's at Alexandra Palace, which is very, uh, you know, iconic, close by. Iconic, iconic in broadcasting as well. The original home of the BBC, or one of the original yeah. homes of the BBC. Yeah, it was indeed. And, um, <laughs> I, was re I got into reading about it this morning. The, the split in the 90s between the British Darts Federation and the World Darts Championship, and, and they've all they've come back together and they're playing nice now um, after the pandemic. But my goodness, there's a there's a there's a whole history here. I had no idea of. You know, I just imagine Luke sort of rolling out of bed 
at midday. He is still 16 years old, so very much a teenager. Rolling out of bed, getting his uh, ham and cheese omelette, then, you know, doing a bit of practice, having a pizza, then leaping up those 26 steps <laughs> and taking the win. And just casually winning. As yeah. a 16-year-old, he only won the youth championship a couple of months ago. Uh, but, but it is remarkable. His parents have taught him to play darts since just about the moment he, he left the womb. So this, this has been his life, and uh, it's really quite exciting to see. And a doner kebab and a pint of coke to uh, celebrate. Oh, well, or he's 16, so if it's with a substantial meal, he could even have a beer. Now, I know not all of you at home will be darts fans, but I think, I think we can all get a little bit excited about this one. It's lovely to see a 16-year-old do so well. Let's mm. hope he makes it to the end and uh, takes the trophy. Yes, well, GBviews at GBnews.com if you have any thoughts on darts or indeed on anything else. But before we get into all of that, here are your headlines with Tatiana. Good afternoon. Two minutes past one. This is the latest from the GB newsroom. Junior doctors in England are on strike, putting unprecedented strain on the NHS during one of its busiest periods. Six days of industrial action has begun this morning after talks between the government and the BMA union broke down. Junior doctors want a 35% pay rise, which would restore their real earnings to levels seen in 2008. The government says that's unaffordable, but insists the door remains open for further negotiations. Dr Robert Lawrenson is the BMA's Junior Doctors' Committee co-chair. He says the strikes will continue until pay is improved. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We're very happy to talk about restoring our pay over a matter of years. We, we're very happy to do that over a period of t a time frame, and we don't necessarily need it all in one go. We're happy to sit down and have a collaborative conversation with the government, but they've pushed us out of the negotiation room. They don't want to talk with us. And the fact of the matter is the nurses rejected their pay deal. The nurses are still in dispute with the government, and the government, and to be honest, the whole country, have abandoned our nursing colleagues as well. Meanwhile, commuters are being warned of severe travel disruption next week due to strike action on the London Underground. Members of the RMT union are staging another walkout over pay, with no services expected on the whole network from Sunday until Friday. Talks between the union and Transport for London are continuing. 
Hundreds of flood warnings remain in place after Storm Henk battered parts of the UK last night. The West Midlands Ambulance Service is warning people to take extra care after several people had to be rescued from cars caught in floodwaters. Parts of Birmingham, Leicester and Northampton particularly at risk of floods while transport delays are expected as the clean-up continues. Meanwhile, one man was killed when a tree fell on his car while he was driving in Gloucestershire. Police say the 50-year-old died near Kemble. The Eurostar has been given a slap on the wrist by the advertising watchdog after promoting special fares that were available to very few people. The train company invited customers to soak up every second of summer with a European getaway for just £39. But the Advertising Standards Authority found only a very small portion of seats available at that price, describing the promotion as misleading. Eurostar says it takes complaints seriously and will ensure the scenario doesn't happen again. More young people are making the switch to non-alcoholic drinks. A study carried out by YouGov found 44% of those aged 18 to 24 consider themselves to be either occasional or regular drinkers of alcoholic alternatives. That's up from 31% in 2022. It also found younger generations are now the most sober age group overall, with 39% preferring not to drink at all. It's after a survey in November found one in ten British drinkers feel they have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And Luke Littler will make history tonight when he becomes the youngest player to compete in the final of the World Darts Championship. At just 16 years old, he beat Rob Cross 6-2 in the semi-finals last night. He showed nerves of steel as he closed out the match in style, continuing his dream run into tonight's big tournament when he takes on the new world number one, Luke Humphreys. And the history-making finalist had some words of wisdom for anyone who dreams of following him. Unbelievable. Like I've only I only set my goals to win win one game and come back after Christmas and I'm still there. Well, I don't have any GCSEs. Everyone's probably got more than me. The fact that they've passed me sport. <laughs> but yeah, um, look young dark young dark players. Hopefully they do look up to me and if you if you do practice then you could be where I am. This is GB News across the UK on TV, in your car on digital radio and on your smart speaker by saying play GB News. Now back to Tom and Emily. Now, major developments in the world of politics today as all parties started to gear up for that heavily expected 2024 election. Yes, so Richard Tice there has been hosting a Reform UK press conference in London today where he slammed both Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer, as you might expect. He accused the government of betraying the British people on immigration and he also announced Ben Habib as the party's candidate for the Wellingborough by-election. Meanwhile, Sir Ed Davey has been laying out the Liberal Democrats' plans as his party currently sits at 11% in the polls. He also refused to rule out a possible coalition with Keir Starmer's Labour Party. Yes, so our political editor Christopher Hope and our political correspondent Olivia Utley join us now. Olivia, you're in Guildford. I understand Ed Davey has had a quite a busy day this morning, at least. He's out campaigning in uh, Jeremy Hunt and Michael Gove's seats. 
Well, absolutely. Ed Davey has had a very busy day, and I've rarely seen the leader of the Liberal Democrats looking so uh, happy and excited. The Lib Dems very much have their eyes set on this town of Guildford. The Conservatives here have a majority of just over 3,000, and it looks pretty likely uh, that the Lib Dems will snatch it off them. But they also have their eye on Michael Gove and Jeremy Hunt's constituencies, both also in the Surrey area. Jeremy Hunt has a, has a majority of just over 8,000. Michael Gove has a majority of over 18,000. And although numbers like that might, might be considered safe Tory seats in normal times, these are not normal times. And it does feel quite possible that the Lib, De Lib Dems could manage to take them. The problem for the Conservatives, of course, is that this is very much their own territory. These are the blue heartlands, the blue wall, as Ed Davey is calling it. There are those seats in the, in the north, in the red wall, which have traditionally always been Labour, where in 2019 voters lent their votes to Boris Johnson in order to get Brexit done. Those seats the Tories have probably resigned themselves to losing, well, at least some of them. But these seats in their heartlands will be much more of a problem. And, of course, the Tories can't really afford to go losing cabinet members if they're planning to rise from the ashes after what people are assuming will be a general election defeat. They want to keep all of their experienced MPs there, ready to start all over again. If Ed Davey gets his way, that's not going to be possible. Of course, the other issue is tactical voting. What's going to happen when it comes down to Labour or Lib Dem seats? The La Labour and Lib Dem seem to have some sort of tacit non-aggression agreement, whereby in areas where the Lib Dems stand a chance of doing well, places like Surrey, Labour won't be too aggressive and vice versa. And there's also, of course, a chance that in the event of a hung parliament, there could be a Labour-Lib Dem coalition. This is what Ed Davey had to say when I asked him about that focused on a general election. I uh, announced today that we think the general election should be on May the 2nd uh, and it couldn't come soon enough. We'll be tabling a uh, bill in Parliament next week which would give MPs the chance to call the general election rather than Rishi Sunak running away and hiding away. Let's have that general election now. People need that change. People are fed up of waiting and I'm really, uh, really pleased and, and proud that the Liberal Democrats are ready for that election whenever it comes. So yes to a coalition with Labour? No, I'm focused on the general election. There are many, many Conservative MPs that Liberal Democrats can defeat across the whole of the south of England, parts of London, parts of Manchester, parts of Yorkshire, in Scotland, in Wales. Liberal Democrats are really on the march. We've shown with our historic by-election victories and our amazing local election results across the country that we are now an amazing campaigning force in British politics. And I think uh, when the election comes, we will be the surprise of the election. So absolutely not ruling out a coalition with Labour there. The Tories have problems on their hands in the north where Labour are advancing and it seems they have problems in the south too where the Lib Dems are hot on their heels. Let's see how Rishi Sunak responds when we hear from him later this week. Thank you very much, Olivia. The Liberal Democrats on the march. Yes, and it seems to be that the Lib Dems are usually on the march, and particularly picturesque parts of the country. Wherever there's a by-election and a charming high street, it seems that the Lib Dems are there. Uh, Olivia, thank you for that. Let's turn to uh, Christopher Hope now in Westminster. But earlier today, you were at a press conference with Reform UK. You've been announcing some things this morning. That's right, Tom. It was a packed uh, press conference. All the major broadcasters, journalists were there, which shows the interest, I think, in Reform UK. Uh, Livia's there with Lib Dems. They're on 10 points in the polls, but so are Reform UK. 
the difference is Reform UK have no MPs. The Dems have, of course, uh, well, more, Baker's dozen probably, more, more than 12. And that's the point about the Lib Dems and the frustration for reform is they have all this support, this interest, 10 points in the polls, but, but no actual MPs yet. Now, Richard Tyson, the, the, the leader of the party, has unveiled uh, plans today to be seen as um, the, 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 coming after the Labour Party. They're saying they're, they, they warn about Starmageddon. Um, if Labour win the election, they're saying that uh, the party reform will will um, contest every single seat of the election in England, Scotland and Wales. Um, they say they're the party of the working class and they're going after these um, Brexiteer supporters who came to who were disaffected with the Tory party would have been for Labour Party. They think reform can get those. Um, but the question is where they go next. So the big question at this press conference um, was what about Nigel Farage? Um, later, Mr Tice made very clear to me at GB News that him standing to be an MP is the least likely option. It sounds more likely that Nigel Farage might take a role running the campaign, taking an overview, being the front of house person, but not actually running for a seat. Of course, he's, he's lost eight times trying to be an MP, so it might be, he stays with GB News a bit longer. And Christopher, are we hearing something about uh, Henry Bolton, the former UKIP leader who may... Well, coincidentally, is joining us on the panel in just a few moments. Christopher, are you there? Yes. That's right. Yeah, Emily, that's right. Henry Bolton, of course, he was the successor to Nigel Farage as leader of UKIP. He ran the party for six months from 2017 to 2018. Now, Henry Bolton has tried to join the Tory party. He was turned down by his local party in Kent. He went to a neighbouring constituency, which accepted him. He then applied and paid his money, was going to join the Tory party, but it was turned down by Richard um, Holden, who's the new Tory party chairman. Um, Henry Bolton is upset by this uh, because he sees, perhaps correctly, that Richie Sunak did say the party's a broad church when he, we've asked whether someone like Nigel Farage, someone from the right of politics, can join the Tory party. It seems clear that isn't always the case. And Mr Bolton has told GB News it shows that this idea that the Tory party is a broad church is for the birds. I think he may, may have more to say about that with you at 1.30. Mm. Christopher, what did Richard Holden specifically say was the reason why Henry Bolton couldn't join? In, in the leaked email seen by GB News, which w was being published, um, or parts of it, on the website shortly at GB News, he said that it was a political decision by the party's ch chairman in office in, in, in accordance with the terms and conditions on the party's join website. I've asked the party this morning why this happened. They have confirmed on background that Mr Bolton has been turned down for membership of the Tory party. Uh, they've made very clear um, on background that high-profile defectors can be more trouble than they're worth. But it does draw into question, I think, the claim by Mr Sunak twice to GB News in October and December last year that he would accept someone like Nigel Farage joining because the big problem the Tory party has got is people supporting the Reform Party feel the Tory party is no longer their home. Now, clearly, the leader is trying to address that by saying we welcome everybody, but not in the case of Henry Bolton. Very interesting. I'm very interested to uh, hear what Henry Bolton has to say. At about, yes, as you said, about 1.30, 1.35, we'll be sitting down with him and our other panellists to mm. uh, question why the Conservatives would make that decision. High-profile defector, more trouble than he's worth. Is this about politics, policies or personalities? Well, I suppose we'll find out in due course, but also... 
uh, junior doctors in England are currently engaged in the longest NHS strike on record. It's spanning six days and, of course, is going to cause substantial disruption to services. Yes, discussions on salaries between the government and the British Medical Association have reached a position of stalemate. Health Secretary Victoria Atkins has appealed for the strikes to be called off, but warns that the BMA needs to be realistic. Yes, so joining us now is former director of the WHO Cancer Programme, Professor Carol Sikora. Carol, very depressing reading uh, this morning, just about how many appointments really have been cancelled, delayed, rescheduled as a result of this strike action. People saying up to a million appointments in the last year, because we've had so many days of strike action just in the past year. Where does this come to some kind of resolution? From what I can see, Victoria Atkins, the health secretary, says she's ready to sit down and negotiate. The BMA say they're ready to sit down and negotiate. Uh, so what's actually happening? It's an amazing situation. As you say, a very sad situation for the many people waiting for something. And there are probably about 8 million people waiting for something. And this isn't going to help. It isn't going to help, not because the junior doctors are going to do everything, but the consultants have been pulled out of the routine work that they normally do to plug the emergency gaps where the doctors, the junior doctors are not there. I mean, you know, for someone of my generation, it's unthinkable that doctors could strike at all. Uh, I remember when I was a junior doctor, there were strikes going on in other European countries and we were horrified by it. On the other hand, you know, 35% is a hell of a whack to expect in one go. And I think it was very telling. The spokesman on the news programme just before here on GB News said he they'll negotiate over a period of years to get their standards back to 2008. That's the clue. Negotiation. I can't understand why it hasn't come to an end. These doctors don't like being on strike. And the politicians, it's embarrassing that they can't solve it. Something has got to give. I suppose one of the really interesting points here is that nurses to some extent have accepted their settlement actually they were offered a smaller pay increases mm. uh, than junior doctors have been offered on average junior doctors have been offered uh, a fairly decent pay increase 10.1% uh, for those that are on the earlier years down to just over 8% for those who are a little bit more senior why is there this discrepancy between how doctors are reacting to these offers and nurses? I know, and the consultants have sort of settled. They're not finally agreed, but they, it looks as though they're going to agree to the settlement, which is more uh, than the nurses, but less than what the junior doctors want to get. I mean, that, that's the whole problem with it all. There are so many different professional cabals, silos, if you like, in the NHS, that each one's negotiating separately. I mean, everyone wants to have good health care, there's no doubt. Uh, and to see what's going on now at a time when, for no fault of itself, the NHS is reeling on its knees, post-COVID backlogs, it never had the capacity beforehand, now it really doesn't have the capacity. It's just so sad.
And, uh, you know, it, it just pushes into a two-tier system where those that can pay for things privately and those that can't have to put up with the delays. And that, that's the tragedy of the whole thing. I'm sure Mr. Bevan yeah. is turning in his grave when he sees scenes like this. So, and, and my bosses, when I was a junior doctor, I don't know what they say. They shout at me, I'm sure. We can't do that now, of course. So, uh, Carol, just, just quickly, uh, is the a, issue... A settlement will come how long it's going to take and how much suffering, we don't know. Yeah, Carol, is the issue, the, uh, the, the unions, is the RCN a little less intransigent? Is it the BMA that are particularly militant as a trade union? Because I don't believe they put this latest pay offer to the doctors, have they? Sorry, I couldn't hear the... Uh, don't worry, we're going to have to wrap there anyway. Thank you very much indeed. Professor Carol Sikora, WHO Cancer Programme, former director of... Um, yes, because mm. is it the BMA that are just particularly but, intransigent, particularly militant, the not putting is, the offer to the, their members? I think the RCN has always had a bit of that reputation, but then the leadership of the RCN accepted the mm. offer, but then the membership of the RCN rejected the offer, and then when the RCN had to ballot again to extend the period at which they could strike, they failed to meet the threshold. So it was the ordinary nurses who thought, you know what, we don't really want to withdraw our labour much more anymore. So it ended up settling, but it was incredibly messy. Hmm. Yeah, I just doubt that every single junior doctor wants to be out there striking. No, I don't think, I don't think they do either. But, of course, there are a, a, a keen sort of core mm. that do. Very much so. Now, coming up, there is fury from women's rights groups as a UN charity picks a transgender model as its UK champion for women. We're discussing this after the short break. Your weekend starts here with Friday Night Live with me, Mark Dolan, 8 till 9 on GB News. Big stories, big guests and big laughs as we get you ready for a cracking weekend. That's Friday Night Live with Mark Dolan. Fridays 8 till 9 on GB News. Bring your own drinks. The admission's free. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens. With our team of dedicated journalists across the UK, we're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there with bulletins on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Big news, big debates, big opinion. Patrick Christie's tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories, which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. Headliners, you don't have to bother reading the newspaper, we've got it covered for you. Every night at 11pm and repeated every morning at 5am. We won't send you to sleep like some of the other paper review shows out there. So join us 11pm every night on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I'm Michelle Jubery, and I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'd much rather hear what you have to say. So, send in your opinions to gbviews at gbnews.com. Keep them clean, and you never know, I might read them out. 
With my panel here on Jubes & Co, we debate, we get stuck into the issues of the day on a show where all views are welcome, especially yours. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Tired of the usual focus-tested, pre-prepared Westminster runaround? Well, so am I. So you want higher taxes? Is your department to blame for this? Are you rethinking this policy? Every Sunday at 9.30, I'll be sitting down with those in power to get the truth about the issues affecting you. Let's be honest, we've known about the cost pressures of this project for years, not months. That's the Camilla Tomini Show, a politics show with personality. On GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I think the most exciting bit for me is talking to people. People who I think are ignored often by the major news channels, we're going to give news they want to hear. There's a voice there that needs to be heard. I think there's a chance here for a diversity of opinion to be expressed, which you don't find elsewhere. It's really exciting. We don't hold back. We're free to say how decisions that are taken here affect us all around the country. Only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. Now, some women's rights groups have criticised charity UN Women UK for selecting a transgender model as its UK champion, as one of its UN ch UK champions. Yes, organisations including Fair Play for Women and Sex Matters have labelled Bergdorf unsuitable and highlighted previous online posts made by Monroe, which were, in quotes, homophobic and racist, leading to Childline dropping her as an ambassador in 2019. Well, joining us now is the co-founder and executive director of Sex Matters, Maya Forstarter, and thank you uh, for making the time for us this afternoon. I suppose many people will be thinking that the UN uh, is, a, is a credible organisation that must represent all different types of, of people, and, and I suppose the, the question is, is there not room in the UN women tent to have one of its ambassadors being a transgender woman? I think we need to be clear about the language here. When you say a transgender woman, what you mean is a man who wishes he was a woman um, and a man who dresses up in women's clothing um, and wants to be treated as a woman. But that doesn't make someone a woman. That's not what being a woman means. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its opera ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. 
Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. And the UN if you were to, if you were to look at Monroe Bergdorf walking down the street, uh, would, you, would you think that this individual is a man? She's someone who has secondary sex characteristics of a woman. She looks like a woman. She is a woman in the eyes of UK law. Bergdorf looks like a man's sexual fantasy of what a woman is. Um, I don't know if I saw Bergdorf walking down the street uh, whether I would clock him, but I think I probably would. Um, it's quite difficult to see from, you know, sort of glamour shots, the size, the way someone moves, the way they sound. But in any case, um, women shouldn't be having to make those kinds of judgments when they're using single-sex spaces. And UN Women is campaigning against mm. women being sexually harassed and for women to have uh, what they call safe spaces. And the question about whether a man convincingly looks like a woman or whether he just thinks he does is not something that women should have to worry about. Maya, why do you think uh, this UN charity has chosen uh, this transgender woman to represent British women? Why do you think they've done that? Um, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. I think they're trolling British women. They're saying there are 33 million women in Britain and none of them are good enough for this job. So let's get a man who dresses up as a sexual fantasy of a woman. I think it's an insult. Maya, some of the charities that have written about this and have objected to this have uh, drawn on some of her more con controversial um, opinions and social media tweets. What else is out there that people have objected to? Um, I mean, as I said, it, it, the, the basic objection is that Munro Bergdorf is a man, um, but there are also things in his history that are concerning. Um, for example, asking children who are gender confused to DM him and contact him um, personally. This is why he was dropped as an um, ambassador for the NSPCC, because that is absolutely against safeguarding. Uh, you know, whether he was doing it with the best of motives or, or not, uh, you don't ask children to get in direct contact with strange adults on the internet. You just don't do that. Maya, my, my, you keep saying him. And I just wonder if, if, if you're trying to sort of Sorry, bring people with dropped. you... Oh no! I'm this, oh, let's let's hope we can get the sound re-established here because I think this is an in, important point. Because th th there are, of course, legitimate debates to be had in terms of. I'm sorry, no one, no one, everyone of, has a right to not use someone's preferred pronouns. A, a right in law, but I'm asking whether or not it's polite or but even. Maya effective. fundamentally believes that men can't change their gender and become a woman, and that is her right to believe that. She's director of Sex Matters. She obviously finds this massively insulting mm. that we'd have a representative of women who's not a biological woman, and I think that's a fair enough point of view. I, uh, I, I wonder... Because there, there Maya's are... Back, there, oh, Maya's back. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that we dropped out with the sound there. Uh, because what I was going to ask, I suppose, is do you think it's particularly effective for your cause, trying to bring as many people with you as possible? Because there are legitimate debates to be had about access to spaces or indeed sporting facilities. But by insisting on calling trans women men and saying he rather than she, 
Do you think that's where most people are? Do you think that's going to be the best way to bring people with you? Why are we unhappy that Munro Bergdorf is, uh, has been appointed to this post? It's because he's a man. Why do we not want people who call themselves trans women competing in women's sports? It's because they're men. Why do we not want them in women's spaces? It's because they're men. If we can't say that, how can we protect women's rights? Well, obviously, they'd argue that they're not men, that they go out of their way well, uh, and go exactly. through yeah, a, a pretty, pretty torrid time to not be men. And, and perhaps there are many trans women in the United Kingdom who face exactly the same sort of catcalling, who face the same sort of sexual assault, who face the same sort of misogyny that many women do going about their daily lives too. I'm not sure you're right on that one, Tom. No, I, I don't think you're right. And, and that, that, you know, I have no idea what it feels like to be a man who wishes he was a woman. And a man who wishes he has a woman has no idea what it feels like to be a woman. He doesn't go through anything to do with having a woman's body, pregnancy, fear of pregnancy, fear of men who are much bigger and stronger, whatever they're wearing. Uh, those are not experiences that a man can, can have, whatever he's wearing, however good his makeup. Well, there you go. Thank you very much indeed, Maya Forstatter, uh, co-founder and executive director of Sex Matters. You're not going to budge on that with you, Tom? No, I think, I think, we're, gonna, I think we're going to have to agree to disagree there. But I do, I do think there is, there is a point that there are lots of trans women uh, who aren't six foot five. There are lots of trans women who... Uh, go through life and do face the same sort of Yes, but, Tom, you're a, you're a very rational and logical person. You know there is a difference between a biological woman and a, and a transgender woman. You do know that there is I've, a difference. I know there's a chromosomal difference. Because I've but heard I know you that... argue that, actually, um, biological men, uh, transgender women, should be able to compete in, in women's sports. Um, on a case-by-case -case basis. No, so there's no time for case-by-case. So, for example, if there's a, if there's a very petite... That's ridiculous. Next to no muscle mass individual. That's ridiculous. You should take it on. You have to have a broad brush case. approach. Let us know what you think. GBviews at gbnews.com. Contentious, as always, here on Good Afternoon Britain. We like to bring all sides of the debate. Uh, but of course, coming up, we're going to be joined in the studio by the former leader of UKIP, Henry Bolton, as he's denied Conservative Party membership. But before all of that, headlines with Tatiana. Tom, thank you. This is the latest from the GB Newsroom. Junior doctors in England are on strike, putting unprecedented strain on the NHS during one of its busiest periods. Six days of industrial action began this morning after talks between the government and the BMA union broke down. Junior doctors want a 35% pay rise, which would restore their real earnings to levels seen in 2008. The government says that's unaffordable, but insists the door remains open for further negotiation. Meanwhile, commuters are being warned of severe travel disruption next week due to strike action on the London Underground. Members of the RMT union are staging another walkout over pay, with no services expected on the whole network from Sunday until Friday. Talks between the union and TfL are continuing. 
Hundreds of flood warnings remain in place after Storm Henk battered parts of the UK last night. The West Midlands Ambulance Service is warning people to take extra care after several people had to be rescued from cars caught in flood waters. Parts of Birmingham, Leicester and Northampton are particularly at risk of floods, while transport delays are expected as the clean-up continues. Meanwhile, one man was killed when a tree fell on his car while driving in Gloucestershire. Eurostar has been given a slap on the wrist by the advertising watchdog after promoting special fares that were available to only a very few people. The train company invited customers to soak up every second of summer with a European getaway for just £39. But the Advertising Standards Authority found only a very small portion of seats available at that price, describing the promotion as misleading. Eurostar says it takes complaints seriously and will ensure the scenario doesn't happen again. You can get more on all of those stories by visiting our website, gbnews.com. For a valuable legacy your family can own, Gold coins will always shine bright. Rosalind Gold proudly sponsors the GB News Financial Report. Here's a quick snapshot of today's markets. The pound will buy you $1.2626 and €1.1564. The price of gold is £1,620.46 per ounce. And the FTSE 100 is at 7,675 points. Rosalind Gold proudly sponsors the GB News Financial Report. GB News is Britain's news channel and now you can support it. All you have to do is scan that QR code that's up on your screen right now or you can go to gbnews.com forward slash support and become a GB News member. You'll have fantastic benefits. We're also going to organise special events where you as GB News members can meet the presenters, the on-screen faces. Scan the QR code or go to gbnews.com slash support. Thank you so much. Big news, big debates, big opinion. Patrick Christie's Tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's Tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Now then, Lee Anderson here. Join me on GB News on my show, The Real World, every Friday at 7 p.m. I'm not eating bloody cat. Are you Delicious. Open your mouth. Okay. Here comes, a, here comes a train. Reminds me of the scene in Singing in the Rain. Adam, is that a good one? <laughs> Join me at 7 on GB News, Britain's news channel. I'm Andrew Doyle. Join me at 7 o'clock every Sunday night for Free Speech Nation, the show where I tackle the week's biggest stories in politics and current affairs with the help of my two comedian panellists and a variety of special guests. Free Speech Nation, Sunday nights from 7 on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. What you get for breakfast is something that, if we do our jobs right, you will wake up to news that you didn't know the night before. It's a conversation. It's not just me and Eamon. We want to get to know you, and we want you to get to know us. From 6, it's Breakfast with Eamon and Isabel. Monday to Thursdays on GB News. Britain's news channel. Wake up to the headlines with Headliners every morning at 5am. 
We treat you to the day's biggest stories before anyone else, seven days a week. You can catch up on everything you need to know before you've even had your kippers. Mmm. Headliners every morning at 5am, only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Every Sunday from 11, join Michael Portillo. There will be topical discussion, looking at the week before and the week to come. So kick back and relax at 11am on Sundays on GB News with me, Michael Portillo. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. I'm Michelle Jubery, and I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'd much rather hear what you have to say. Sir, send in your opinions to gbviews at gbnews.com. Keep them clean and you never know, I might read them out. With my panel here on Jubes & Co, we debate, we get stuck into the issues of the day on a show where all views are welcome, especially yours. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Have a great Saturday night with me, Leo Curse, on this Saturday Night Showdown. It's a crazy world out there, so come and make fun of it with me, my panel of comedians, and a couple of people who actually know what they're talking about. This Saturday Night Showdown is your front row ticket to the clown show. Every Saturday, only on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. It's just coming up to 20 to 2. Uh, and do you remember this? Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, once said that the Conservative Party is a broad church. The, the Tory party is a very broad church, right? I welcome lots of people who want to subscribe to, ideals, to our values. He was, of course, being asked by our political editor whether he'd welcome Nigel Farage <laughs> into the party. Well, to swap Nigel Farage for another UKIP leader, uh, Henry Bolton has just been denied membership of the Conservative Party. Uh, and he makes up half of our panel today. So delighted to join Coincidentally, I must say. By Henry Bolton and the former Labour MP Ivor Kaplan. Um, Henry, we're going to have to start with you. Mm -hmm. What's the story behind this? When did you decide to try and join the Tories? Well, uh, in my view, um, Ivor's going to disagree with me, I'm sure. <laughs> but the priorities are twofold, immediate priorities. One is to prevent... A, a socialist Labour a victory in the next general election, and if that can't be prevented, then to retain a strong opposition to mitigate that victory. And the second thing, which is connected, is to deliver on reducing immigration. And, you know, I have, a, I have an extensive track record in doing precisely that and in border management. And I felt that I could use my skills, uh, my political knowledge, my political experience and my technical experience in trying to deal with borders at a strategic level to try and help the Conservative Party. I think the Conservative Party are the only people at the moment who can do that. The Conservative Party are in government. Um, if there's a, an election in October next year, we're, we're nine, ten months away. Um, so there is time to make an impact, should the party wish to. Now, having not been a member of any political party since 2018, um, I, I felt that, you know, there should not be a problem. I am a dyed-in-the-wall Conservative. I joined UKIP when I did because of my belief that we were better off out of the European Union. The Conservative Party was in a very different place at that time and was not an appropriate home for me. Um, and I, I worked to, to support the Brexit campaign, the referendum campaign, mm. uh, to leave. So, um, 
now, you know, so that was the motive behind all of this, that I felt that we need to act now, we need to act decisively um, on the, on the centre-right of British politics. The people to do that now are the Conservative Party. They're failing to do it. I thought I might be able to help. Well, Henry, um, why do you think they rejected you then? You know, uh, spoken, Christopher Hope mentioned high-profile defector. You know, is yeah, that a good well, enough I, reason as any not to have you on board? I, I don't know whether a defection's quite right, because I've not left a <laughs> no. political party to, mm. to try and join the Conservative Party. Um, but I, I think what this says quite clearly is that what Rishi Sunak has said to, to Chris Hope, um, that the Conservative Party is a broad church, is for the birds. And I think one of the reasons he's been saying that is because he has a, uh, a Rwanda vote coming up on the Rwanda bill, and he is trying to appease the centre-right of, uh, the, if you like, the real Conservatives in the Conservative Party over that vote. And I think some people are mm. uh, want to believe him. Well, they can't. Um, it is not a broad church. It is not a Conservative Party under, uh, the way, uh, under its present leadership and the way it's constituted. The leadership of the Conservative Party needs to change. The constitution of the Conservative Party needs to change. The constitution at the moment... I mean, look, you know... Well, it sounds like you would have been a bit of a troublemaker, well, perhaps, well, as a member. Well, That's probably why they didn't... Yeah, well, do you but, think... But does that not say at all, Emily, mm. that... You know, I believe that the purpose of the Conservative Party, any, any party really, but certainly a Conservative Party, is to further the interests of the United Kingdom and the British people, to build confidence, optimism, prosperity and security for everybody living in these islands, and to preserve our history, our heritage, our culture, our institutions as the, as the foundations on which we should, as society can grow and evolve. It is not doing that. And I think, mm. I honestly believe, mm. I, that I got no response apart from a rejection. I've uh, contacted CCHQ three times asking why mm. um, I've just I've received no response whatsoever. They've not engaged with me at all. Um, and I can only conclude that where I want to go to, in the way that I've just described, um, is not where CCHQ and Rishi Sunak mm. wants, to, wants to go. If the Conservative Party are going to stand a chance but, in the next election, mm. they don't need to be going after the centre ground. They need to be going after the traditional Conservative, cultural and social Conservatives. Ivor, what do you make of this? Why do you well, think Conservative campaign headquarters have made the decision they have? It, it's not a specialist subject of mine. I appreciate that, both of you. <laughs> do you think they were or right to... Or, uh, or Henry about that. Right I, I, I did that. empathy with him earlier, by the way, <laughs> in, uh, outside. Um, look, it, it's a difficult decision for, for Henry, but I'm not going to say that the Tories should do this, this or that. Mm. It's, their, it's their thing. We, we had all that situation, you know, from the mid-tens uh, mid with with people leaving the party because of the anti-Semitism under Jeremy Corbyn. Mm. And, you know, that uh, change that we had to make, which Keir Starmer has led on since uh, uh, April 2020, has allowed us to bring people back in. And people who've maybe left us, we've welcomed them back. And I would say in a more general political thing than, than criticising mm. the Conservative Party, mm is that I think that's where politics is right, to bring allow people to rejoin. You say, you say the Labour Party has been welcoming people back, and certainly yeah. there are high-profile cases of people rejoining the Labour Party who mm -hmm. left under the Corbyn years. Yeah. There are also some pretty high-profile cases yeah. of people on the left of the Labour yes. Party being forced out. The, the, the mayor of the, of the North East, Jamie Driscoll, is a, is a pertinent example. Yeah. There are many more who would align themselves on the Corbynite wing who feel like Starmer's kicked them out with not much excuse. It's not about kicking people out. If, if, you if, you, um, if, if there is a situation that you have made comment on and that that comment is outside the rules of the Labour Party, whatever those rules are in, in most times, 
then you can get expelled. We, we have expelled, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, for instance, uh, in and around where I am, just because they are anti-Semites. And those people we would not tolerate in the party. So if we have to do that, then we do it in a proper mm. way. Mm. It's dealt with by the legal people, and then the people are expelled. Well, over the, there just is to take the, that criticism. one example, just take that one example, mm. Tom, uh, that you just made. That's true. But the point with, with that example uh, of that particular mayor is he didn't get into the qualification for mem members voting. Now, that's happened all over the country while we've been selecting candidates. Mm. And that happens when you get to the last thing, your members are going to make a decision. We don't and have it, to have people is, in there is who it, are Is candidates. it just a little bit convenient that sometimes, and, and this happened in the late 90s and it's happening again now, that sometimes these selection shortlists, which are centrally chosen and, and then members get to vote, sometimes mm. they seem to align very, very closely with the people right in the middle of the party. And perhaps there's been some criticism that there's not so much mm. internal democracy anymore. I, I think I might put it slightly differently. 2010, 2015, 2019, Labour completely out, out of the game. And we have to make decisions then that are different and change things around. Um, you know, I, I stood a, in a, you know, four, four people in, in Hove uh, for the candidacy in 1996, and, and I won. Well, that's obvious I won. But, but the point is that I had to go through that as well. Mm. What, the, what the rules now do is make it the same so in the 91 constituencies in the southeast, of which I have a responsibility for in the party, then that means that all the constituencies are being treated the same. Mm. And yet they all moan, by the way, that they're not. Every single constituency that there isn't a current MP moans about what they're what they're being offered. It's, that's how it is. In the, you know. I mean, Henry, what happens next? Because, I don't well, know, in my mind, perhaps... I know Rishi Sunak said it's a broad church, the party's a broad church, and I can completely understand why you might be disgruntled by this decision. I don't know if there's an appeals process. Perhaps you, I, perhaps, I've, perhaps I've perhaps asked you can three times and it's got no response um, whatsoever. <laughs> it's interesting. But, I mean, yeah. you clearly don't have a huge amount of... Uh, well, maybe you have respect for Rishi Sunak, but you don't rate him as a leader. No, so I... do leaders... And I, this is probably is not Rishi Sunak's decision, of course. But is it... Probably not the best idea to have to have troublemakers I'm as members who have been I, say, political if, if, in the if past. If the Conservative Party wants to deal with immigration and borders, well, I was described by Durham University as one of the world's leading experts in developing and implementing national border strategies to do just this. Um, the, a, a previous Prime Minister put me forward for an OBE for securing mm. borders in other countries. Uh, so, you know, that, mm. but, there's, but outside that, look, um, the Conservative Party has a problem at the mm. moment. It is uh, really sort of almost going back to your point, mm. Tom, I think. Um, it's got what I would call a Conservative wing, which are being called the right wing, which they're not. They're the Conservative wing. And it has got what I would call a centrist wing, which are being called moderates. Mm. They're not moderate. If you know Damien Green, you know he's not a moderate. He is very, very passionate and mm. digs his heels in incredibly firmly. He's, so there's nothing moderate mm. about him. Uh, Henry, might, might, so there, be a, the might there be an interesting you... point of view here, which, which, which might not be the immediately obvious one, uh, which is that people of your expertise and position are welcome in the Conservative Party, but the Conservative Party might not want the sort of 
history that you come with having led UKIP, mm -hmm. the profile of that, and, and frankly the way in which you were forced out as UKIP leader as well. Yeah, indeed, which was partly the doing of the Conservative Party. Um, so, uh, you know, and I myself, there is absolutely no allegation against me that stuck. None. Mm. I never said anything that was out of order, whether you call it racist or anything else. I have never written it. I've never uttered such mm. such words. Um, and they know that. But there was the person but, you were associated with who said some colourful things. Indeed. And I removed that person from the party. Mm. That person apologised. That's a matter for them, um, uh, as I see it. Mm. Um, and I, uh, fair enough. But, that, you know, even if you, if you, even if you take that as a, as a, as a rationale, that was back at the beginning of 2018. Mm. Okay, we are now six years down the road. And, you know, we have priorities in this country, which mm. I feel that I can contribute towards. And I, I feel that my... I've always been a Conservative. I joined UKIP, as I said, because I was passionate about leaving the European Union. The Conservative Party was in a very different place at that time on that issue. Um, and uh, I, I felt absolutely passionately mm. that there's something that's still missing, which is no politician, no leader has stood up and provided a vision for the United Kingdom post-Brexit. This is what we, where we want to be 20, 25 years from now, for example, and this is the trajectory we need to follow to achieve that. The, so that's, that's something that I was passionate about trying to deliver. I, I kicked out, effectively, 6,000 members who were anti-immigration, anti-Islam and nothing else. I incurred the wrath of the National Executive of UKIP for doing it, um, because they were tending that way. None of them supported me in the leadership election, although the members did. Mm. So I was fighting a battle with them. So I what was fighting... What reform want you, Henry? I, 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 ask Richard Tice. <laughs> um, but, no, my, my, I, I believe that, at the moment, the Conservative Party are the only people that can stop Labour from winning mm. the next general election, and they are, right now, the only party, because they're in government, mm. that can deal with immigration and deal with some of the serious border issues and other issues that we've got. They're in power mm. now. I wonder, either, yeah. is there an issue here? We're focusing a lot on what's going on in the right of politics. Mm. All the while, the Labour Party has a higher vote share, if we mm. believe the polls, than reform and the Tories put together. Yep. Uh, what's going on there? Might the Tories perhaps need to look more at why people are looking towards Keir Starmer? Or is it just sort of, uh, as some people allege, that while everyone else scraps, he can stand still and win by well, default? Well, I don't think it's going to be by default. I think there is a genuine view in large parts of the country now, that, that, and we've seen it in by-elections, for instance, uh, in the last six, nine months. And I think that shows that, that Labour has a saying with those sort of groups of people who, as I said earlier, you know, if you look at the Liberal Democrats, obviously, if we're in second place in a seat and the Liberal Democrats are in third with maybe... 20% of the vote, then that's where we focus our, our aims and our ambitions in order to try and win those seats. That has succeeded. By-elections are one thing. The general election is a completely different one. And as I've said before on, on, on here, you know, not a single vote has been cast yet in the general election. We have to be conscious of that. There is time still in that, whether it's in May or October. Mm. And and do I think Labour will win? Yes, I have every belief that Labour will win. The now, we're in our final minute, and, Henry, I know you wanted to get a, yes. a little word in. Just very briefly, because Emily asked, well, sort of what, so what next? Well, I'm going to continue to fight for Conservative politics, social 
cultural conservatism in the United Kingdom and for furthering the interests of the United Kingdom and the British people writ large. And that includes preservation of our, our culture, our heritage, our, our way of life and our institutions. So to adapt and grow upon. Um, but I think it's important also to note, because we're talking about democracy, that there is a problem with the Conservative Party already before this, of course, um, this is minor in comparison, um, that they appointed a leader of the Conservative Party mm -hmm. without even referring to its members. The constitution of the Conservative Party needs to change well, this because is... if you can't respect democracy within your party, how can the public... This is something that comes up time and time again yeah. in the inbox, Correct. that's for sure. <laughs> well, lots more to come in the next hour. Thank you very much, Ivor Kaplan and, of course, Henry Bolton there. Lots more to come. Coming, gearing up for the next general election. This is Good Afternoon Britain on GB News. like things are heating up. Boxed boilers, sponsors of weather on GB News. Hello again, it's Aidan McGiven here from the Met Office with the GB News forecast. Blustery showers will continue for most of us during the rest of the day. Some brighter spells and it will turn drier in the south towards the end of the day. But for the time being, we've got low pressure in charge, even if the main storm, Henk, has moved off the scene. Around this low, we've got various occluded fronts bringing some longer spells of rain, but in general, it's blustery showers as we head into the evening. Some clear spells emerging, particularly towards the southwest. And by midnight, certainly some drier weather pushing into southern parts. More persistent rain lingering across the northeast of Scotland. Shetland staying cold with some snow and uh, frost here. A little bit of touch of frost further south under those clear skies, so a chilly start here, but that's where the brightest weather will be first thing Thursday. Now, that doesn't last long because it will turn cloudier from mid-morning and outbreaks of increasingly heavy and persistent rain will spread into southern coastal counties through the day. That could cause some issues given the saturated ground at the moment. But further north, we've got the sunshine remaining across North Wales, North Midlands, East Anglia. Showers for Scotland and Northern Ireland, Northern England as well. And Friday, again, is a showery day. The worst of the showers will be across eastern and western coasts in between some sunny spells and... As we go into the weekend, high pressure builds. That means drier, but it also means colder with temperatures falling away. That warm feeling inside from Boxed Boilers. Sponsors of weather on GB News. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories, which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. Headliners, you don't have to bother reading the newspaper, we've got it covered for you. Every night at 11pm and repeated every morning at 5am. We won't send you to sleep like some of the other paper review shows out there. So join us 11pm every night on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I think the most exciting bit for me is talking to people. People who I think are ignored often by the major news channels. We're going to give news they want to hear. There's a voice there that needs to be heard. I think there's a chance here for a diversity of opinion to be expressed, which you don't find elsewhere. It's really exciting. We don't hold back. We're free to say how decisions that are taken here affect us all around the country. Only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I'm Michelle Jubery, and I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'd much rather hear what you have to say. So, send in your opinions to gbviews at gbnews.com. Keep them clean, and you never know, I might read them out.
With my panel here on Jubes & Co, we debate, we get stuck into the issues of the day on a show where all views are welcome, especially yours. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens with our team of dedicated journalists across the UK. We're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there with bulletins on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Your weekend starts here with Friday Night Live with me, Mark Dolan, 8 till 9 on GB News. Big stories, big guests and big laughs as we get you ready for a cracking weekend. That's Friday Night Live with Mark Dolan. Fridays 8 till 9 on GB News. Bring your own drinks. The admission's free. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. Big news, big debates, big opinion. Patrick Christie's Tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's Tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. GB News is Britain's news channel, and now you can support it. All you have to do is scan that QR code that's up on your screen right now, or you can go to gbnews.com forward slash support and become a GB News member. You'll have fantastic benefits. We're also going to organise special events where you as GB News members can meet the presenters, the on-screen faces, scan the QR code or go to gbnews.com slash support. Thank you so much. Good afternoon, Britain. It's two o'clock on Wednesday, the 3rd of January. No regrets. Junior doctors insist they're doing the right thing as record-breaking mass walkouts threaten to cripple hospitals during their busiest week of the year. But have these trade unionists abandoned their patients and their colleagues at their time of need? Out of the traps. Reform UK becomes the first party to launch its general election campaign, claiming the Labour Party and the Tories are two sides of the same socialist coin. We're live with our political editor with the latest. Luke versus Luke. Will Luke the nuke littler, the 16-year-old dart superstar, beat cool hand Luke Humphreys, the world number one? We'll be live at Ali Pali as excited crowds begin to gather. Could littler score big? Now, this week is generally considered to be the busiest week of the year for the NHS. Because it's the week after the Christmas period. The week after the Christmas break. Some people have delayed things, other people are just getting things checked out. And, of course, you've got all the winter bugs, the flus, the Covid, the everything else mm. uh, sort of flying around. It's the peak point of pressure for the NHS. Yeah. Do you know what else this week is, Emily? No, I don't, Tom. <laughs> the week that junior doctors have decided to strike for walk the longest... Out. Walk out for the longest period of time in NHS history. Yeah. And it, it does sound like it's going to be absolutely catastrophic. 
hundreds of thousands of appointments and surgeries and uh, key treatments just cancelled, mm. just cancelled. I think a million plus just in the last year or so since these strikes started. Lots of you have been getting in, getting in touch. David has had to say, the junior doctors complain about a starting pay of around £15 per hour, which is low because of all of their studying, but everything they have learnt at university is mostly the theory. Once they're released into hospitals, they are like apprentices who are learning their trade. Well... I think one of the massive issues is that huge level of debt they accrue through studying. So I've seen, mm. I've seen some junior doctors with £80,000 worth of debt. And then, and then it doesn't really tick down, and, and, and effectively that adds 9% to their income tax. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of these issues might be fixed by, you know, cutting people's tax. That, that might help. But, um, but uh, John has said the NHS deserves more money, but surely not at the mercy of patients. Surely there must be another way of getting more pay, but not with striking. And yet the NHS has seen its pay, seen, seen the amount that we spend on it rise by 40% in the last 13 years. 40%. Well, this is what annoys me. I think a lot of us at home would like um, some of that money to be going to pay, going to frontline workers, but it's being, you know, used elsewhere. Mm. Lots to say about NHS reform. I could talk about it all day. Let us know what you think. Have you been actually affected or mm. do you know people who have been affected by these junior doctor strikes, by these walkouts? Because it does look as though thousands and thousands of appointments are going to be cancelled. Mm. We'll get on to that and many more stories after your headlines with Tatiana. Tom, thank you and good afternoon. This is the latest from the GP Newsroom. Doctors have warned that medical professionals may vanish from the NHS unless pay is dramatically improved. Six days of industrial action began this morning after talks between the government and the BMA union broke down. Some of those striking have warned that countries, including Australia, are targeting them with advertising in an attempt to attract disgruntled British doctors to jobs overseas. Junior doctors want a 35% pay rise, which would restore their real earnings to levels seen in 2008. The government says that's unaffordable, but insists the door remains open for further negotiation. Dr Robert Lawrenson is the BMA's Junior Doctors Committee co-chair. He says the strikes will continue until pay is improved. We're very happy to talk about restoring our pay over a matter of years. We, we're very happy to do that over a period of t a time frame and we don't necessarily need it all in one go. We're happy to sit down and have a collaborative conversation with the government, but they've pushed us out of the negotiation room. They don't want to talk with us. And the fact of the matter is the nurses rejected their pay deal. The nurses are still in dispute with the government and the government, and to be honest, the whole country have abandoned our nursing colleagues as well. Meanwhile, commuters are being warned of severe travel disruption next week due to strike action on the London Underground. Members of the RMT union are staging another walkout over pay, with no services expected on the whole network from Sunday until Friday. Talks between the union and Transport for London are continuing. The sister of a 16-year-old boy who was stabbed while watching New Year's fireworks in London has criticised false claims that he was part of a gang. Harry Pittman died after what police described as an altercation as crowds gathered in London's Primrose Hill. 
His sister, Taylor, who's 19, posted a message on social media saying her brother was a good boy with a heart of gold and would not have been involved in violence. A 16-year-old who was arrested at the scene has since been released under investigation. Police are continuing their appeal for witnesses. Hundreds of flood warnings remain in place after Storm Henk battered parts of the UK last night. The West Midlands Ambulance Service is warning people to take extra care after several people had to be rescued from cars caught in floodwaters. Parts of Birmingham, Leicester and Northampton are particularly at risk of floods, while transport delays are expected as the clean-up continues. A family was left terrified terrified more than 400 feet in the air while riding the London Eye when strong winds ripped the hatch off their pod. Meanwhile, a 50-year-old man was killed when a tree fell on his car that he was driving in Gloucestershire. Eurostar has been given a slap on the wrist by the advertising watchdog after promoting special fares that were available to very few people. The train company invited customers to soak up every second of summer with a European getaway for just £39. But the Advertising Standards Authority found only a very small portion of seats available at that price, describing the promotion as misleading. Eurostar says it takes complaints seriously and will ensure the scenario doesn't happen again. More young people are making the switch to non-alcoholic drinks. A study carried out by YouGov found 44% of those aged between 18 to 24 consider themselves to be either occasional or regular drinkers of alcohol alternatives. That's up from 31% in 2022. It also found younger generations are now the most sober age group overall, with 39% preferring not to drink at all. It's after a survey in November found one in 10 British drinkers feel they've got an unhealthy relationship with alcohol. And Luke Littler will make history tonight when he becomes the youngest player to compete in the final of the World Darts Championship. At just 16, he beat Rob Cross 6-2 in the semi-finals last night. He showed nerves of steel as he closed out the match in style, continuing his dream run into tonight's big tournament when he takes on the new world number one, Luke Humphreys. And the history-making finalist had some words of wisdom for anyone who dreams of following him. Unbelievable. Like I've only I only set my goals to win win one game and come back after Christmas and I'm still here. Well, I don't have any GCSEs. Everyone's probably got more than me. In fact, I did pass me sport. <laughs> but yeah, um, look, young dart young dart players. Hopefully, they do look up to me. And if you if you do practice, then you could be where I am. This is GB News across the UK on TV, in your car, on digital radio, and on your smart speaker by saying "Play GB News." Now back to Tom and Emily. Now, major developments in the world of politics today as all parties start to gear up for that 2024 election. Yes, Richard Tice, he's been hosting a Reform UK press conference in London where he slammed both Rishi Sunak and Keir Starmer. He accused the government of betraying the British people on immigration. He also announced Ben Habib as the party's candidate for the Wellingborough by-election. Meanwhile, Sir Ed Davey of the Liberal Democrats is being laying out his party's plans, as they currently sit at around 11% in the polls. He also refused to rule out a possible coalition with Keir Starmer's Labour Party. 
Mm, well, our political editor, Christopher Hope, and political correspondent, Olivia Utley, join us now with the latest. Olivia, lots of Liberal Democrat action campaigning in Guildford today. Well, absolutely. The Liberal Democrats are usually very cheerful, it has to be said, but they did seem particularly cheerful this morning here in Guildford. Guildford has a Conservative majority of just over 3,000, and the Lib Dems are very hopeful that they will be able to overturn that at the next election. They also have their eye on a number of other seats in Surrey, some of which have much bigger Conservative majorities. Uh, Jeremy Hunt's seat is in their eye line. He has a majority of just over 8,000, and so is Michael Gove's seat, who has a majority of just over 18,000. Liberal Democrats also did not rule out a coalition with Labour when asked about it multiple times. And whatever the status of uh, any sort of talks about a coalition, there does seem to be a sort of non-aggression pact between the Lib Dems and Labour. So in seats like this, where Labour is trailing behind in the polls, but the Lib Dems are doing pretty well, we're expecting Labour not to put up too much of a showing. That gives the Lib Dems access to a lot of the southwest and the the southeast that's bad bad news for the conservative these these are their tory heartlands places like surrey have always voted conservative the fight now for the tories isn't just in those red wall seats those seats that lent their votes to the tories in 2019 it's also fighting to retain their own heartlands i was chatting to some people out in guildford today about what they make of the next general election who they want to see win this is what they had to say well, it's uh, been a bit on and off recently. Um, I haven't been for, uh, following the Conservative Party uh, quite closely, but uh, I do support uh, our Prime Minister and uh, our local Conservative MP. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you like to see? Oh, with? Labour. I'm a Labour member. Um, I was a teacher for a number of years and I actually live in Jeremy Hunt's constituency. He's actually a very good local MP, but I still won't vote for him. <laughs> no, I far prefer somebody else to win rather than the Tories. Uh, yes, I would. Yes. Not really a very good job, but there's no one else to choose, unfortunately. Unless something wonderful happens and somebody new pops up, but uh, it's the lesser of all the evils. Um, I think it's about time for a change and... Uh, I would like to see what Labour can do. I'd like someone else. So, I don't know, because it's all a shambles and it's all a mess, you know. So probably the most positive message there for the Conservatives was, I don't think they've done a very good job, but there's no one else better. Pretty stark message here in Guildford today. Will that play out at a general election? We'll have to wait and see. Oh, amazing. I loved the woman who was a Labour member but said, oh, but Jeremy Hunt's very good, isn't he? Uh, that was... But I absolutely will not vote for him. <laughs> chortle, chortle. Oh, my God. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for bringing us those voices uh, down there in the South East. Let's cross now to Westminster and Christopher Hope, who's been following Reform UK today. That's right, Tom. Reform UK means to set out their plans in Westminster. Quite a full press conference showing interest from other journalists about what reform might do. Maybe they're drawn there by the appeal of Nigel Farage, of course, the star of the jungle on ITV. But the party pulled out a new tag here, attacking 
the Labour Party, talking about Starmageddon coming to a place near you. Um, they're worried about the, the, the Labour's lead in the polls, of course, if there were an election tomorrow. It looks like Labour could win a landslide. The reform itself is on 10 points in the polls most recently, the same as the Lib Dems, who are with uh, Olivia, of course, today. And, and the question is, what do, they, how, what do they do next? They are really trying to target uh, disaffected Labour voters and trying to boost that number towards 15% to become a real player of the next uh, general election. The, all the focus, though, despite the efforts by Mr Tice, the leader, to talk about what it would do in, in government, and those policies include lifting the base rate of income tax to £20,000, uh, axing uh, 5% of all government spending, spending it and trying to save money, and having a one-in, one-out immigration policy. So those are the ideas that they might try and do if they got into power, which is unlikely. Um, but more the focus really was on Nigel Farage for many of the questions. What would he do? I understand that it's un unlikely we're going to hear about his plans, whether he might be trying to stand to be a candidate or not, until as little as two months before the next general election. And insiders tell me it's more likely he would seek to have some kind of overseeing role of the campaign for the Reform Party rather than to stand to be an MP for the ninth time. It seems a lot of this is about uh, teaching the Conservatives a lesson. Because, presumably, the rise of uh, reform, they're not going to necessarily get an MP elected, but they will take a lot of votes for the Conservatives, which does make a Labour government even more likely. So what is the actual benefit for small-c Conservatives, Tom? Well, let's turn that... Oh, is Chris still there? Yeah. If I can, if you want me to answer, yes. I mean, the point about reform is to draw the party, the Tory party, back into the the right of centre politics that they feel the party should be espousing, and that hasn't been happening. Of course, the risk is that you do get maybe eight, nine percent of the vote in an election and zero MPs. It happened, didn't it, back in 2015, when the party amassed millions of votes and just one MP, um, who, the Douglas Carswell, who then eventually flipped, went to a different party. So I do think that the that that's a real risk that maybe holding Nigel Farage's pen on agreeing to be a candidate. Does he want to lose again for the ninth time mm. or try and just oversee a party which will cause damage to the Tory party? And yet, isn't this one of the biggest problems for Reform UK? If Nigel Farage, even Nigel Farage, with the profile and the following that he has, is perhaps thinking behind the scenes he couldn't win a seat under the Reform UK banner, what hope does any other candidate have? Well, there could be opportunities. I mean, Ben Habib was unveiled. He's the party's deputy deputy leader, unveiled as the party's candidate in the Wellingborough by-election. Now, in the last comparable general election, the last planned one in 2015, UKIP came second to Peter Bowen, of course. We don't know his plans yet, we, and we expect this Wellingborough by-election, a seat held by 19,000 by Bowen at the last election, to be held probably in late February or early March. So that will be a real test, I think, and the party sees that, as I was, was described me by an insider as the canary in the coal mine. If they can see a big boost in numbers there, then that might change. And indeed, if the poll position changes, um, and indeed if were Farage to come back and take over a leadership role in reform, rather than being the honorary president, then it might see the, the, the party's support going to the, into the low 20s. I mean, all, all things are possible at the moment in politics. We live in quite a fraught um, time. I should say also, by the way, that uh, Richie Sunak has been trying to open overtures to reform um, supporters 
Senators. He told us twice on GP News in October and December last year that he the party's a broad church when I said, would you accept Nigel Farage as a member? Well, we revealed today, at lunchtime today, on your, on your programme, of course, how Henry Bolton, who was, a, who was um, chosen by Nigel Farage to succeed him as UKIP leader um, back in 2017, 2018, he's been denied a membership by Richard Holden, the party's chairman, which is quite interesting, I think, about how much the party really wants to appeal to disaffected reform supporters. Mm, and, of course, the fact that uh, Henry Bolton, the former UKIP leader, not getting that uh, membership that he so craved as you were uh, breaking in the last hour, uh, do you think that will have any impact? Well, I think for some people, I mean, Henry told us, did, told us didn't he, that it shows this, this uh, suggestion that Mr Sunak welcomes those from the right is for the birds. Um, we, we, we may see more on tax cuts at the, the budget in March. We may see even a pledge at the next election of the Tory party to pledge to cut taxes every year for five years, as was mooted in some reporting over the weekend. So that may change, but as things stand, many on the right don't see themselves as comfortable with some of the policies that the Tory party's got. But indeed, some of those ideas that reform offer today are probably unaffordable, um, but they might attract people as a protest vote away from the Tory party. And that's why I think not allowing Henry Bolton to join when he wants to help the Tory party, he wants to be supportive, is interesting and will question those who think the party's open to right-wingers like Bolton. Well, Christopher Hope, thank you very much for bringing us all of that. It is feeling like this general election campaign is really getting underway. Yes, indeed. Now, moving on, 16-year-old darts sensation. We're going to hold that story because there is some new news coming in today, which is that two explosions have been uh, heard, have been felt, have uh, gone off in Iran. Uh, let's cross now to our correspondent Charlie Peters to tell us more. At least 103 people killed. And that's coming in from the Taz in Iran, a state-aligned broadcaster there. This explosion happening in Kerman, a city about 820 kilometres southeast of Tehran, the capital, and it's occurred at the tomb of former IRGC commander Qasem Soleimani, who was killed in a US drone strike four years ago today. So a significant date on the anniversary of his death. The IRGC, the Islamic Revolutionary Guards Corps, is the asymmetric warfare unit of the Iranian regime. He also commanded its CODS force. Now, this unit links the Shia power with its allies and its proxies, not only in West Asia, but indeed around the world. It had links to Europe. And Soleimani was a almost mystical figure in Iran and throughout the Middle East for his anti-American, so-called anti-imperialist resistance. But he was killed in that drone strike four years ago, as ordered by then-President Donald Trump. And the significance of this explosion, which is being described by local governors as a terroristic incident, without further elaboration, mm. is that it comes less than 24 hours after the Israelis launched a surgical strike on senior Hamas leaders in a Hezbollah stronghold in a southern suburb of Beirut in Lebanon. Mm. In the Lebanese capital, some five or six people killed there by a drone strike. The IDF would not confirm to me last night if they were involved in the attack, but it's hard to see who else could have actually mm. 
conducted that kind of operation or who indeed would have the motive to do so. So this explosion happening in the last few hours on the fourth anniversary of Soleimani's death. They are a twin explosion, as you said, Tom. So mm. the first explosion appears to have happened some 800 metres away from the tomb. And then 15 minutes later, a second bomb has gone off. This uh, two-attack method is common by terror groups in order to attack emergency services as they attend the scene. It is a particularly brutal strategy. Now, who could have done this? Uh, it's highly unlikely, I think, at this stage for any foreign power to have deliberately carried out this attack. Israel has conducted some attacks within Iran in the last half decade or so, but those are usually surgical strikes related to Iran's nuclear capabilities. They do not carry out these sort of mass, mass casualty attacks on innocent civilians. So there's a realistic possibility at this time, and this is very soon after the bomb has gone off, of course, but this is involving internal strife. There are, of course, several challenges to the Tehran regime. It is not the all-powerful, uh, much-adored regime as it likes to present. And since late 2022, there have been significant protests against Tehran, in particular after the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini, that woman killed amid a wider revolutionary surge in protests in favour of women's rights. I'll have all the latest throughout the programme should this develop. Thank oh. you very much indeed. Charlie mm. Peters for bringing us that latest news. It's absolutely fascinating because up until now, resistant movements within Iran have been peaceful. Mm. It's been people dancing in the streets in protests against uh, laws there. But if this has turned into some sort of new threat, that destabilises the region further. Other questions, of course, could it be... Saudi Arabia? Could it be other um, countries in the region that practice Sunni rather than Shia Islam? There are lots and lots of questions and uh, no doubt we'll be, uh, we'll be digging around to find out precisely what could have caused this mass, mass casualty. Yes, indeed. But coming up, we'll have the latest in the aftermath of Storm Henk here in the UK. Numerous areas of the country are facing devastation and flooding too. This is Good Afternoon Britain on GP News. 2024, a battleground year. The year the nation decides. As the parties gear up their campaigns for the next general election. Who will be left standing when the British people make one of the biggest decisions of their lives? Who will rise and who will fall? Let's find out together. For every moment, the highs, the lows, the twists and turns. We'll be with you for every step of this journey. In 2024, GB News is Britain's election channel. GB News, unlike other broadcasters, isn't obsessed with the London-Westminster bubble. We think there's a nation beyond the M25, and that's why we talk about the issues that matter across the land. Join me on State of the Nation, 8 to 9 o'clock, Monday to Thursday, on GB News. Daisy's listening, and you should too. Wake up to the headlines with Headliners every morning at 5 a.m. We treat you to the day's biggest stories before anyone else, seven days a week. You can catch up on everything you need to know before you've even had your kippers. Mmm. Headliners every morning at 5am, only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. I'm Andrew Doyle. Join me at 7 o'clock every Sunday night for Free Speech Nation, the show where I tackle the week's biggest stories in politics and current affairs with the help of my two comedian panellists and a variety of special guests. Free Speech Nation, Sunday nights from 7 on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel.
Now then, Lee Anderson here. Join me on GB News on my show, The Real World, every Friday at 7pm. I'm not eating bloody cat. you Delicious. Open your mouth. OK, here comes, a, here comes a train. Reminds me of the scene in Singing in the Rain. Adam, is that a good one? Oh, whoa! Join me at 7 on GB News, Britain's news channel. What you get for breakfast is something that, if we do our jobs right, you will wake up to news that you didn't know the night before. It's a conversation. It's not just me and Eamon. We want to get to know you, and we want you to get to know us. From 6, it's Breakfast with Eamon and Isabel. Monday to Thursdays on GB News. Britain's news channel. Have a great Saturday night with me, Leo Carson, this Saturday night showdown. It's a crazy world out there, so come and make fun of it with me, my panel of comedians, and a couple of people who actually know what they're talking about. This Saturday night showdown is your front row ticket to the clown show. Every Saturday, only on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News. Britain's news channel. Every Sunday from 11, join Michael Portillo. There will be topical discussion, looking at the week before and the week to come. So kick back and relax at 11am on Sundays on GB News with me, Michael Portillo. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. When the news happens, it happens here. And really important breaking news. Breaking news this morning. On TV, radio and online, the news starts here on Britain's Newsroom. All the biggest stories and the answers that you need from across the UK and beyond. Join Britain's Newsroom from 9.30 on GB News. The People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Good afternoon, Britain. It's 26 minutes past two. And 16-year-old dart sensation Luke Littler produced another stunning display last night to reach the World Darts Championship final, beating Rob Cross by six to two. Yes, Littler is the youngest ever player to reach the final of the Premier Darts tournament and faces another Luke, Luke Humphreys, in tonight's clash at Ali Pali. Well, joining us live from Alexandra Palace is our reporter, Ray Addison. And Ray, uh, there's so much... I, I don't think I've ever seen more excitement from the British public about a World Darts Championship. Yeah, he's really caught the imagination of the entire UK and in a matter of a few hours, this area where I am now, where we're standing, will be absolutely filled with up to 10,000 people all waiting to go through these doors here to uh, watch. Tonight. Now, this area, of course, will have been absolutely packed with revellers last night after that amazing surprise win. Uh, somebody leaving behind their glow stick. I've nicked that. Uh, I'm going to get the party started a little bit later on. But if we look over to our right-hand side, we can just see uh, the amazing view that um, a lot of people come here to see as well from Alexandra Palace, that view over North London. Then if we pan around as well, we can see these banners that people get to see as they're coming in. There's none for uh, Luke the Nuke Littler, but we've got 
Nathan the Asp, Aspinall, and then over to the left there we've got uh, we've got Peter Snakebite right and Rob Voltage Cross, of course Rob Cross, who was beaten in the semi-final last night, six-two, uh, rather stunning fashion uh, by Luke, um, as he showed quite surprising um, maturity for his age. Of course, just 16, I think um, 19 days off his 17th birthday. Uh, he got 16 treble 20s and he produced three 130-plus checkouts as well. And of course, he qualified back in November when he won the World Youth Championship. Uh, and now, of course, uh, this is just one win for him. One win tonight would seal his World Championship dream. Of course, he is the youngest ever player to reach the final uh, of the what is the Premier Darts Tournament in the world. Now, his opposition, if he wants to win, he's got to get past Luke Humphreys first. He's 28 years old. He is the world number one. In fact, he became the world number one while he was uh, competing and while he was winning uh, here in those victories that he had. Um, he came into this tournament by winning three of the last four uh, majors in darts, and he absolutely whitewashed uh, Scott Williams 6-0 uh, in his semi-final. So he is in very, very good form at, uh, as well. However, a lot of the crowd, as you were saying, guys, 10,000 of them could well be cheering for uh, Luke Littler. No, really, really fascinating. And he's going to, he could win uh, a whopping 500,000 big ones, couldn't he, if he wins? Yeah, absolutely. And what, what an amazing uh, prize that would be for a young man. But that would just be the tip of the iceberg as well. Uh, I'm hearing that people are starting to talk about uh, the potential uh, movie rights for this and who could play him in the movie. Uh, maybe James Corden, somebody like that. Be interested to see what you guys think as well. But it's sure, it's sure, it's, it's sure to be uh, one of those things that's in the cards. We've seen with uh, other players, young players, doing remarkable things like Emma Raducanu and this is just the latest and it's really caught the imagination of uh, the whole of the UK. Isn't, it, isn't he also being offered uh, kebabs for life? Maybe there's a, a long-term partnership there. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. Ray Addison, thank you so much for bringing us all of that. I have to say, though, if I was Luke Littler, 16-year-old Luke Littler, yeah. and James Corden, who must be going on 40 now, was, was chosen to play me. I might be a little bit, little bit annoyed by that. Um, but no, fascinating. I mean, have you seen... I don't think he'll be annoyed about anything. <laughs> I mean, if he wins this, mm. happy days. Happy days, although we say it's half a million. It's, it's not really. The tax rate in the UK, it's half that. Oh, really? Even if it's a prize? Oh, ah, that's a really good point. Is it taxed? Let us know. <laughs> we'll find out and bring that to you. Uh, but, but before all of that, we're going to get to much more on the show, including returning to this story about a UN charity picking a transgender model as one of its UK champions. Lots of you have been getting in touch about that. More to come after your headlines with Tatiana. Tom, thank you. 2.31, this is the latest from the GB Newsroom. Doctors are warning that medical professionals may vanish from the NHS unless pay is dramatically improved. Six days of industrial action began this morning after talks between the government and the BMA union broke down. Some of those striking say countries, including Australia, are targeting them with advertising in an attempt to attract disgruntled British doctors to jobs overseas. Junior doctors want a 35% pay rise, which would restore their real earnings to level seen in 2008. The government says that's unaffordable, but insists the door remains open for further negotiation. 
Meanwhile, commuters are being warned of severe travel disruption next week due to strike action on the London Underground. Members of the RMT union are staging another walkout over pay, with no services expected on the whole network from Sunday until Friday. Talks between the union and TfL are continuing. Two explosions have ripped through a memorial ceremony in Iran, killing more than 100 people. State TV showed footage of crowds running as ambulances rushed to the scene. Officials described it as a terrorist attack as people gathered to commemorate the death of a top commander. It comes as fears grow that the war in Gaza could spread into a broader conflict. And hundreds of flood warnings remain in place after Storm Henk battered parts of the UK last night. The West Midlands Ambulance Service is warning people to take extra care after several people had to be rescued from cars caught in floodwaters. Parts of Birmingham, Leicester and Northampton are particularly at risk of floods, while transport delays are expected as the clean-up continues. Meanwhile, a 50-year-old man was killed when a tree fell on his car while he was driving in Gloucestershire. For more on all of those stories, you can visit our website, gbnews.com. Your weekend starts here with Friday Night Live with me, Mark Dolan, 8 till 9 on GB News. Big stories, big guests and big laughs as we get you ready for a cracking weekend. That's Friday Night Live with Mark Dolan. Fridays 8 till 9 on GB News. Bring your own drinks. The admission's free. In the GB Newsroom, we bring you the news as it happens with our team of dedicated journalists across the UK. We're ready to give you accurate reporting every day. When the news breaks, we'll be there with bulletins on GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. Big news, big debates, big opinion. Patrick Christie's Tonight is the week's biggest show. Every weekday, 9 to 11 p.m., we've got the inside track on the day's top stories. There'll be sharp takes you won't get anywhere else. We will set the news agenda, not just follow it, and I want to bring you along for the ride. Whatever it is, we'll have our finger on the pulse. It's news, but it's this close to entertainment. Patrick Christie's Tonight, 9 to 11 p.m., only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's News Channel. Join us every night on GB News at 11pm for Headliners, which is three top comedians going through the next day's news stories. Which is exactly what you need, because when the establishment has gone crazy, you need some craziness to make sense of it. Headliners. You don't have to bother reading the newspaper. We've got it covered for you. Every night at 11pm and repeated every morning at 5am. We won't send you to sleep like some of the other paper review shows out there. So join us 11pm every night on GB News. The People's Channel. Britain's news channel. I'm Michelle Jubery, and I'm not here to tell you what to think. I'd much rather hear what you have to say. So, send in your opinions to gbviews at gbnews.com. Keep them clean, and you never know, I might read them out. With my panel here on Jubes & Co, we debate, we get stuck into the issues of the day on a show where all views are welcome, especially yours. GB News, the people's channel, Britain's news channel. 
tired of the usual focus-tested, pre-prepared Westminster runaround? Well, so am I. So you want higher taxes? Is your department to blame for this? Are you rethinking this policy? Every Sunday at 9.30, I'll be sitting down with those in power to get the truth about the issues affecting you. Let's be honest, we've known about the cost pressures of this project for years, not months. That's the Camilla Tomini Show, a politics show with personality. On GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. I think the most exciting bit for me is talking to people. People who I think are ignored often by the major news channels. We're going to give news they want to hear. There's a voice there that needs to be heard. I think there's a chance here for a diversity of opinion to be expressed, which you don't find elsewhere. It's really exciting. We don't hold back. We're free to say how decisions that are taken here affect us all around the country. Only on GB News, the People's Channel, Britain's news channel. Good afternoon, Britain. Good afternoon, Britain. Join us, Tom and Emily, to find out what's happening in the heart of Westminster and why it matters to you. Weekdays from midday, we bring you the most compelling stories from across the United Kingdom. And from your doorstep to our inbox. That's right, we want to hear from you. GB News, Britain's news channel. we brought you the story that women's rights groups have criticised charity UN Women UK for selecting a transgender model as its UK champion for women's rights. Now, we have received a lot of views, and that is an understatement. Uh, lots and lots of views coming in. Derek says, until a man can undergo complete surgery to enable procreation, that man is still a man. Um, Jean says, I'm totally insulted. This person is a trans woman. No problem with that, but not a woman. Uh, whereas Melanie has said that trans women are women, uh, simple as, and Harry has said that trans people are human beings, and as long as they abide by the law, they deserve respect. Well, there you go. And also, I got a very angry email, actually. Mm. Um, someone who's mistaken me for Emily Thornbury, actually, and said that I uh, showed my bigotry, which I would absolutely deny, and said that I have absolutely no problem with transgender people existing mm. and having the same rights as everyone else. Mm. But I do think that uh, perhaps, perhaps, biological women would have been better placed for this particular role. Emily, I, I think you're, you're many things and you have many attributes and many talents, but um, I didn't realise that you were also Shadow, shadow Attorney General, yeah. uh, which, which I believe is Emily Thornbury's current role. I, I mean, that's uh, remarkable. Uh, shall we open up this to our panel? Of course, uh, joining us again is Henry Bolton, the former UKIP leader and the former Labour MP Ivor Kaplan. Uh, now, um, Ivor, yeah. this has created a lot of consternation in the inbox. We've read out Perhaps what wasn't quite a representative sample. Yeah. I think more people were uh, emailing in saying that saying that the the UN Women UK group should not have chosen a transgender model as one of its ambassadors. Yeah. Well, look, the UN is the UN, and it's allowed to choose whoever it likes, and, and that's not a matter for the UK government or anyone else really. And they tend to appoint people who have experience and history. Within, which I think this particular woman does have uh, some experience of working with the UN, I think four or five years ago. Mm. So it's not unusual that people get that. Um, just let me say a bit about the trans issue. I think it's way, way overplayed. I mean, in Brighton and Hove, we have the biggest trans community in the United Kingdom, and we're a very happy city. And, uh, you know, we say to 
all trans people and anyone else who wants to comment on any of these things, that, look, everyone is individual, everyone is a person, and that should be the principle of that. And uh, that, in general terms, seems to work uh, across, across the board in, in Brighton Hove. I'm sure people can ring in and say, no, I live in Brighton and it's not the case. But we're not talking about individuals. Mm. We're talking about the greater good of what goes on in a city. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right that most people are live and let live yeah. and it does not bother them yeah. at all, this issue in practice, in their day-to-day -day lives. Transgender community are very, very small yeah. community. I will in ask the Emily Thornbury about it, though. But, Henry, there, are, <laughs> there, are areas, there are areas of policy mm -hmm. and the way women's rights versus transgender rights can interplay, which make things rather a bit more complicated, which is why you have the rise of groups like Sex Matters who worry about about women in sports. Can I say one worry thing? worry about women's spaces. About this, because this mm. is actually quite critical, in that the most of the people who uh, are worried about the sporting issues mm. in particular are people who have a history in sport. But the numbers are tiny, absolutely tiny, the numbers. And so it's not about ordinary people who wish to be transgender, mm. men or women, it's actually about the sport issue. And I think if we focused on that, then sport, all the sports, can deal with that issue and deal with it. But for a long time, people were told that it was <laughs> um, bigotry to mm -hmm. even talk about the issue of transgender women in sports and about how there might be an unfair advantage. The debate has opened up now quite a lot, where you've had a lot of female athletes talking about it, not least mm -hmm. Sharon Davies, but a lot of others talking about how there is an unfair advantage. And so the debate has shifted because there have been quite a lot of brave and vocal women who have come out and said, actually, this isn't fair. I, I don't think it is fair, and I... I, I... I agree that the numbers are very small, and, but the problem is that, actually, it is unfair, and to me it is the activist community, mm. which, again, is small, uh, dominating the agenda and actually um, creating a situation in sport where women who were born female... Uh, are, are disadvantaged. There's no doubt about that. And I, I rather feel that about the, the UN Women UK, who've appointed this, this lady as, as their representative for women, their UK champion for women. Um, look, I, I'm, I'm sorry, and I may get a lot of criticism, but I don't think she is a woman. She has had surgery, hormonal treatment, whatever, I'm not an expert on this, to change her. But um, that's, you know... That doesn't make you a woman in all respects. And if you're not a woman in all respects, people talk about the lived experience. Well, fine, be a representative for transgender women, you know, in mm. that sense, but, but not for women, because you haven't had that lived experience of going through, uh, you know, as, as a female... As I haven't, through, through female puberty and, and all the rest of it, and all the, the, the various things that go on. I, I think and, the point, Henry, we could argue about we, this all afternoon. We, we could. But, but I think, in general terms, with the numbers as I've just said, and the fact that sport is at its, its height, really, mm. in this matter, uh, across the UK and across other countries, of course. But I think, in the general terms of someone working for the UN, the first and principle there is someone who's capable of doing that kind of job. And I think any woman is. I, I, I agree that should be the principle, but I, wonder, I would question, and this is the problem, isn't it, I would question that she is. Now, it's for the UN to make the yeah. appointments they make, but, uh, if you like, from a political point of view, 
surely you've got to think about the implication. And I suspect that what UN Women UK are trying to do here is advance the cause of transgen mm. transgenderism mm. rather than advance the cause of women. Talk, I might be speaking... That's how I feel about it. I might be right? revealing but, my but ignorance I here. Just, sorry, but, I, think, I think that does a, a disservice to women mm. and to the transgender community mm. because it creates this skewed kind of... this emphasis where the numbers are small mm. that, that we actually give it undue attention. I might be revealing my ignorance here, but I can't name no. a single other UN Women UK champion for any year. I wonder I, if... I didn't even know they existed. Exa exactly. Not women. I wonder, I mean, this, this <laughs> seems like... This is, this, is, this, is a, this is a post that has presumably existed for some years that literally no-one in the media has noticed or talked about. Is, is, the, point, is the point, perhaps, that people are talking about? I, I don't think you understand, as three men on this panel, how some women feel as though being a woman, a biological woman, is being a race. That might sound like hyperbole, but you see I, it when we talk I, about that's people... That's my point, Emily. That's yeah. my point. As, 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 if you want a representative of women, get a woman who's always been female to do the but job. But also, I, think, I don't have I any problem... I think it with demeans a, women. I don't have any problem with a transgender woman having a position, and I don't mm. even... I'm not even that bothered particularly about this case of the charity. It's the broader question of yeah. talking about things as they are and reality. Let me just and say... And that's what, that's what gets sorry, me. Yeah. Sorry, Emily, I was just about to say that this matter actually broke about three months ago mm. in the UN, UN mm. and in British press, but I see that The Telegraph finally thought... It should run the story with uh, something from one of its. Uh, well, there was a letter. There was a letter. There was a letter written by a number of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we do actually have uh, some news uh, just come in now, uh, which is that a 15-year-old boy has been arrested on suspicion of the murder uh, over the death of this 16-year-old Harry Pittman mm. in Primrose Hill, North London, on New Year's Eve. This tragic, tragic. Uh, incident. Yes, so a 15-year-old boy has been arrested on suspicion of murder over the death of 16-year-old Harry Pittman. That was in Primrose Hill, North London, on New Year's Eve. Henry Bolton, a 15-year-old. Mm. This is shockingly it's young. Shocking. It's, it it is, is shockingly young. And what we are seeing uh, uh, across the country, but mainly in our cities, um, and, and particularly in London, is we are seeing a horrific rise in knife crime. We're seeing a huge rise in, in, in gang-related crime. And at, the, at the, the older end of, of the, the offenders in the sort of 19s, 20s, um, we're seeing it very much related to drugs. Um, there's a gang culture that's growing. We are not dealing with it. We, have, we all know it's there. And as a former police officer, some of us were warning about this 20, 25 years ago. And it's still not being recognised for what it is, particularly, I feel, in London. And I think that's there's a real problem. It's the, the victims and the offenders are becoming younger and younger and younger. And, uh, you know, we've, society needs to deal with this. The politicians... And I'm not being party political about this. The politicians, the police, the schools, the families and the communities as well, because there is a habit... And I say this again as a police officer, even 20, 25 years ago, of communities trying to blame everybody else 
um, where actually I'm old-fashioned. I think that the communities and the families also have a role to play in making sure that people of this age understand that it is utterly unacceptable to be behaving in this way, to be carrying a knife or to be part of a gang. But it seems to be what you expect your children to do. Yeah, oh, I do. it does feel like yeah. a lot of young people, young mm. boys in particular, probably fe are quite fearful yeah. of, of yeah. Walking, uh, walking about, and that's why there's so much carrying of knives going on. This is a terrible case, uh, let's just say that. I, I think Henry is broadly right. I think there are issues, obviously in London you've got 9 million people, you've got you know, more problems than, than, than anyone else has, and the police do as much as they can. But it is very, very difficult to find a way to getting this right with that group of people, mm. I'd say 14 to 18, mm. would be a real target group. I don't know how we can do that at the moment. Uh, I, I have to say, and I don't think politicians do, just being realistic, mm. both at Westminster and elsewhere. Well, it's not just an issue for politicians, is it? As Henry said, <coughs> their no. families, mm -hmm. yeah. parents, I mean, wider moment. communities. I think there's too much... Uh, the police have taken a, um, a police liaison community approach too far. I think. I think there needs to be, and I think we've had this discussion on a previous occasion, there needs to be respect for the police. And that means that when you cross the line, somebody comes down on you with a ton of bricks. Mm. Um, but everything is done to make sure that you know where that line is. Mm. Um, but that doesn't happen. There seems to be no line particularly. Mm. Some and might even say we need to be tough on crime as well as being tough on the causes of crime. Either you were well, elected I, under that slogan. I, I can't think where that came from <laughs> on, on a day like this. Um, but, but nevertheless, I think it was, you know, at the time it was right. I think it's still right today. And I mm. think most you know, people in Westminster and other parts of the UK would say that is true. Mm. And we, we have to do something. I don't know what the answer is. And I, I, I don't know. It's a very, mm. very, very You've sad story. You've got a difficulty story. with stop and search. That's still a contentious issue. Mm. Um, and, you know, when I was policing, there was a, a situation where uh, police uh, chiefs were losing their jobs, chief constables, because they were speaking out that different types of crime often related to different communities. That's not saying one community was worse or... But, mm. but so one community might be more active in the vehicle crime area, another in the, in the Class B drugs area, another in the Class A drugs area. It's, it's, a, it's just one of those things. And it varies from, from city to city. Um, but if, you cannot, if you're not allowed to talk about that, then how can you actually address that? That is a fact of, of, of crime and of policing. Mm. And... You've got to recognise mm. it, and because otherwise you can't engage with those communities in the right way. You can't take the the, the appropriate policing measures to counter it, um, both in a prevention sort of from a prevention point of view, uh, and and from dealing with the detections and the subsequent arrests and, and charging and so on. So, we've got to have a more frank and honest conversation about this, rather than steering away from it and saying, well, you know, the white community is, you know, we can't t talk about what they're doing, we can't talk about what the Pakistani community is doing or the West Indian community or the whatever, because they may, may take offence and then they'll get all, you know, whatever. There is a fear of the response from communities, which I think is, is deterring honest debate mm and there, therefore is an obstacle to address... Well, this. something massive is certainly yeah. going wrong mm -hmm. at the moment with this yeah. spate of uh, very violent crimes mm -hmm. from very young 
people. But we should say that we don't know the details other than no, the fact no. that this is a 15-year-old individual. We've talked very generically, yes. But I suppose one of the shocking things, other than the, the, the very young age of the perpetrator who has been charged here, is the fact this happened on Primrose Hill, a, a place where uh, hundreds, thousands of people had gathered to watch the fireworks. This, this wasn't some mm. back alley. No. This was, this was a, a, a public space. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, you know, as sadly, as the case emerges into uh, court and et cetera, et cetera, we will find out more mm. about this. Uh, it's, it's, it's very worrying when, mm. you know, it's, people, it's... Are, people are enjoying themselves. The family were probably all together. You know, he's 15, 16, and, and this happens. It, it, it's terrible to think of. But we're seeing a lot of this in public spaces. I mean, on the streets, in shops. Um, you know, we're seeing blatant shoplifting. You know, mm. people simply walking into shops, filling their arms with things and walking out. Yeah. Um, there is this... There is this A lack of shame. Yeah. There's a lack <coughs> of shame. There's a lack of respect mm. for the fact that these belongings... Uh, these are belongings belonging to somebody else, and, and there's a cost implication for people. Often there's an emotional element, even if you're a shopkeeper. If, if, if your shop is subject to a crime like that, then it's, it's traumatic. And I, I know that but sort of because I've, I've mm. tried to help people who are victims of these things in the mm. past. But how and, do you build up that sense of yeah. respect, of, of, of order, of, 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 of being a civilised member of society? Very, very difficult to know. However much you do in schools, mm. it's, it's what's happening outside of schools. Mm. It's not the schools themselves. I think you know, schools generally have a great reputation of, of helping young people to understand what they should and shouldn't do. Mm. But when they get outside, there's not that necessary. Mm. Someone's just written in to say we've almost become numb <coughs> as a result yeah. of all these... Well, the, knife cr the, knife crimes, the knife crimes are really, really violent and horrible... Yeah things compared almost to anything else that we've ever seen. And, and, mm. and stabbing injuries are, yeah. are particularly nasty in all sorts of sort of yeah. medical trauma man mm. ways yeah. as well. But I, I think there's, there is something called the boiled frog syndrome, which is, mm. which is a horrible expression. I won't go into describe yes, it. But slowly. what happens is something terrible happens mm. and you think, God, that's terrible. And then it happens again mm. that's terrible. And then, gradually, it becomes commonplace. And you, yeah. you become numb to it. I'm, I'm afraid we are running Sorry. to the end of the yeah. show, but uh, Ivor and Henry, thank you so much for talking us through all of those big issues. Of course, Henry Bolton, the former UKIP leader, and Ivor Kaplan, former Labour MP. We'll be back, of course, tomorrow at 12. Up next, it's Martin Daubney. Looks like things are heating up. Boxed boilers. Sponsors of weather on GB News. Hello again, it's Aidan McGiven here from the Met Office with the GB News forecast. Blustery showers will continue for most of us during the rest of the day. Some brighter spells and it will turn drier in the south towards the end of the day. But for the time being, we've got low pressure in charge, even if the main storm, Henk, has moved off the scene. Around this low, we've got various occluded fronts, bringing some longer spells of rain, but in general, it's blustery showers as we head into the evening. Some clear spells emerging, particularly towards the southwest. And by midnight, certainly some drier weather pushing into southern parts. More persistent rain lingering across the northeast of Scotland. Shetland staying cold with some snow and uh, frost here. A little bit touch of frost further south under those clear skies, so a chilly start here, but that's where the brightest weather will be 
first thing Thursday. Now that doesn't last long because it will turn cloudier from mid-morning and outbreaks of increasingly heavy and persistent rain will spread into southern coastal counties through the day. That could cause some issues given the saturated ground at the moment. But further north we've got the sunshine remaining across North Wales, North Midlands, East Anglia. Showers for Scotland and Northern Ireland, Northern England as well. And Friday again is a showery day. The worst of the showers will be across eastern and western coasts in between some sunny spells and as we go into the weekend, high pressure builds. That means drier, but it also means colder with temperatures falling away. That warm feeling.